Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Fake Nerd Podcast, where the nerds are made up and the fakes don't matter. This is episode 277, where we don't have a specific topic. It's March 20th, 2022, and I am Sparks Witty, joined, of course, by my friends Brandon T. McClure. Hi. And Ben Magnet. I miss that show. Actually, I shouldn't say I miss that show, because that show's back on the air. It's That's a great show. Still in the air. Uh, and we are, of course, joined... Uh, not this week by Ryan once again. Um, he will be with us again in the near future, very likely next week. So we will shoulder on um, insider baseball. We had a topic idea, but we decided we didn't want to do it without Ryan. So we're just we're just winking it this week, friends. We had Ooh, news just... to discuss, so we're just here for a good time and not a long time. We just wanted to just hang out with you guys. Whoever's yeah. in the chat, just come over, just hang out. Um. I, eh, I don't want to talk about that. That's fine. Um, <laughs> the second you say that, the switch goes in my brain. It's like, okay, we should probably talk about I, something. This is very similar. What we're doing tonight is a very similar idea to what I had to make the show shorter. It doesn't matter. It's not relevant to today. Was that the, the stand? To date? To date tonight no it's not that okay whatever i had an idea a little while ago look look look, we're not look we're not doing this we're not doing it look whatever okay but like i had an idea (laughs) that (laughs) if we wanted to make the show shorter because the show is three and a half hours long (laughs) on a good day sure um that we could do a, a a type of morning uh, twice a week show and that would be the news and then the Sunday night shows would be our our topics and our catch-ups and our book club mm. so you're saying like extrapolate the news out of the show pretty much oh my god it's the dream um <laughs> it was just like it was just an idea that I had this any, week when I was any, thinking anybody who's listened to conversation knows how I feel about the news in our show <laughs> <laughs> uh it was like it's not even something that is probably even feasible because everyone but me has has a normal work schedule um but, but it was just an idea that i had so i mean ben, ben doesn't wake up until 4 p.m on a good day so oh no if i wake up at no. 4 p.m i'm late <laughs> so yeah. a good day <laughs> yeah uh, <laughs> it's like yeah pretty much uh I no because yeah, I, I was just thinking it. i was just thinking that we could like it would be like a twice a week oh, why am i talking about this it doesn't matter um <laughs> Look, because we're just because we're just hanging out. We're just hanging out. Look, it was just an idea that I just thought about. Maybe like thinking that like, look, you know, the show is pretty long and it can be pretty tiresome at times, especially for Ben who falls asleep halfway through the show. Uh-huh. And yeah, hey, look, we're we're approaching six years. Thinking about how to to change up our formula is normal. You know, our lives are always in flux. Nothing stays the yeah. same forever. And I, I feel bad that it's such a strain on you guys. So, you know, well, now we're it's getting personal. A, right. It's not a strain. I think I, I, something I do want to cement in your brain is that it's not a strain all the time. You know, it's just mm-hmm. sometimes it is. It's not consistent, though. It's not like it's consistently an issue. You see what I'm saying? Yes, I get it. Realistically, yeah. I do. But see, yeah. this is why I had a bad time, a bad day yesterday, because I was just like, God, everybody just hates the show. Everyone hates doing the show. And don't well, know that's what not doing anymore. No. That's not at all true. No. Well, yeah, I know that, but my depressed brain doesn't. 
I'm hanging out here. Look at me and and my hanging out. Wee wee wee. Brandon, why don't you tell me about some links? Real quickly though. Okay. <laughs> it was I was just thinking that like, you know, whoever would be up in the morning could join me and do it. Then that was like the idea is that like whoever is up in the morning twice a week can just do it with me and that would be that would be that. I get you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, maybe we'll bookmark Mag, bookmark this for later and we'll see what happens. All right, anyway, we do have links some, in the description. Some 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 change will come someday. We'll figure yeah. it out. We will. Who knows? We always do. I just want this thing to be I just want this to be fun for everyone. Yeah. That's all. I am so sorry by the way if I mess around with my eyeball a lot. I have to confess, I have had a very big hair in my eye for two weeks that I have not been able to get out of my my eyeball. So sometimes I keep messing with it, trying to move it to somewhere where I can't feel it anymore. Oh no. <laughs> it's 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 been rough, guys. Okay. Well we do have links. As Spark said, we do have links in the description. Um nothing personal. Uh my Infinity Saga series was late this week. It was part of the deadlines. You guys weren't behind the scenes showing the show. I missed the deadline this week. That was it. Um, I was bummed about that. Um, and some other things I was hoping would come out. doesn't matter. But my screen rent work was still pressed on. Um, I did some good stuff there, I think. I have a Kevin Feige article up that um, also kind of doubles as like a history of Kevin Feige's life, uh, starting with X-Men, going towards Iron Man. Um like, you know, the thing is, I can't stop being me. I can't take my personality out of things. So I, I, I put I put fun facts and, and history notes and things like, you know, just things that I think would be informative. I don't I don't just write a list to be like, hey, this is a thing. I write a list and I say, like, this is the history of the thing. This is what matters. This, you know, I, they can't silence me. <laughs> um, so that's you my don't want to be silenced. He cannot be stopped. That's my screen rant. That's my that's my Kevin Feige article. So it's, you know it's got like X Men and Spider Man and like all the all the Marvel movies he was on since X Men. He started with X Men and then moved up to Marvel Studios. Did that. Uh, there's a there's a every non Pixar uh, movie to win an Academy Award. All nine of them. Um, that and that is also like the history of the award itself, which started with Shrek and Shrek won the inaugural award. Um, so that's that. Um, I don't know if I mentioned the the Halo one that I have. Which is like all the Halo characters, all the all the Master Chief voice actors. There's a, I think a couple Strange New Worlds that went. I think one Strange New World one went up this week. Um, but yeah, uh, I don't, I'm sure there's plenty more. Uh, I write like five a week for them, and I, I like them. I'm, I like doing them. Screen Man's been a wonderful collaborator with me. Um, this is the first time I've ever liked doing a job. That's good. In um, like literally ever. Um, it's the least toxic work environment I have ever lived in because this is my work environment. <laughs> this is my house. Isn't man, that sounds like bliss right now. It's nice. I'm I'm happy for it. Um, but there's more. Uh, that was so that was that was it. Marty's in the chat real quickly. Marty, hello, sir. Donizetic. Hello, sir. Hey, Marty, hi. loving loving the new season of Fortnite. I hear. I got that text too. Yeah. <laughs> um. Do you see the the Prowler is in the Battle Pass? I did see the image of it, yeah. I really like that design. It's cool. Yeah, I actually really like all the Fortnite Marvel uh, designs. They're really cool. They really are. They really are. Okay, so there's uh, so some more things. Um, Base from Arcade <laughs> Pause Menu had a new episode go up this week, right, Ben? That it did. 
Baseball Arcade Posmail. I talked with a, a Twitch streamer and a friend from Twitter, Mint Blay. She's from uh, our neighbor to the north, Canada, specifically French Canada. And we were just chatting about games that we feel deserve uh, a remaster. And we we, t- we took some lists from the internet. We also compiled our own lists, and it's a, it's a fun topic. I, 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 I only took like three sips of this thing. It's already hitting me. Goddamn. Uh, highly recommend you all checking it out. So I watched that. I watched a bit of that because I wanted to know what the what the thumbnail was about, and I was I was very confused that it wasn't a person. Oh yeah, she uh, <laughs> she when I first told her about it, she was very adamant that she does she doesn't want to show her face at all. So mm-hmm. I'm like, hey, it's if you don't want to show your face, you don't want to show your face. You yeah, I mean, to. there's there's a whole like there's a whole like uh, subsect of people not people of streamers <laughs> um well, who like they are people yeah who like do i know but they're not a subsect of people that's rude right. uh, yeah, it's yeah. like a subsect of, stri- of streamers that like um the vtubers right that's what they're called they, like, have these, they have these like avatars and they talk through their avatars like yeah. anime character video game characters. believe believe me i understand wanting a separation between your personal self and your internet presence self i don't know what you mean it. sparks witty yeah right exactly <laughs> There's the man um, who used to be a puppet. And, a literal uh, puppet, not like a puppet for someone. That's what I mean. That that exists as an audio and a video. Uh, sorry, the audio went up late. It is, it is up now. It went up today. Um, so the video and the audio are available linked below. Um, our Turning Red and the Adam Project reviews are now separate and they're on their, as their own videos that you can check out right now on this channel. Uh, I... I really thought we talked about the Adam Project longer than Turning Red by a decent amount, and I was wrong. They yeah. were about the same. <laughs> that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, and um, finally, uh, I had two Fake Nerds watches go up for Star Trek Picard Season 2, um, Episode 2, and Episode 3. Those are two separate episodes. We didn't double up. Uh, episode 2 has Michael Carls of the Now Right Nerdy Podcast, and uh, Episode 3 uh, has uh, Cookie from Just a Little Podcast. Loving Star Trek Picard, guys. That's good. Black. Star Trek Star Trek Discovery ended also. We'll get to that. Okay. I'm just like waiting. You guys for like you guys the... still have to record a finale discussion for that, right? Yeah, we have to we have one more episode to record for that. Truthfully, it is scheduling problems, but because it's over, we're not really rushing. Sure. Uh we'll probably get that up this week though, because I I don't want to delay it too much. I'd rather be done with it. Um, Stacey Abrams was in the latest episode, though. So, I've heard. Yeah, um, yeah. That's all the links in the description. Woo! So I guess that means we should. Uh, so this week we're not going to be doing. We're not going to be going into our weekly discussion. Uh, you know what we do normally. We'll talk about our weeks. We're going to be doing that. And what would be the main topic? So we're, right now we're going to go into our uh, bread and butter. <laughs> So real quickly, some sad news up top. Um, an actor that we are all familiar with has passed away. Akira Takarada. I'm really glad you put this in the news. Oh, of course. I wasn't too worried about it. I figured you would. Yeah. Uh, he passed away at the age of 87 years old. Um, ben, I'm sure you probably don't recognize the name right away, but you have seen Godzilla Final Wars, correct? Yes, I have. You remember the senator who gets taken over by the Zillions? I do the pug. Yeah, he's that. He, that was him. Um, he was also in many, many Godzilla movies, starting with the first one in 1954. He was the love interest of the girl. Um, if you've seen the Japanese version, uh, he's in oh. the love triangle. 
Oh, what? I do remember that actor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a. His role is his role is nearly erased in the Americanized version. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Thank God, the only version I've seen is the original Japanese one. That's the way to be. It's the way to be. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, he I passed away this week. That that history, man. <laughs> like he's part of history. Someone who was in the very first Godzilla film and presumably and the last and the last Godzilla film and one of the like the last main Japanese Godzilla films that were in a set air quotes here continuity. Man, well, for a long a time it was the last yeah yeah for a long time it was but he has uh, a legacy though that's that's really good i was gonna say for for godzilla it's like losing one of the the big three like losing carrie fisher yeah. uh for star wars um that's that's really what it's like for for godzilla fans it's a uh, yeah really really wonderful long legacy though um yeah, I loved his role in Final Wars specifically. I didn't clock that it was the same person as uh, 1954. Um, I found that out not too long ago. Um, but he's been in tons of Godzilla movies that I've seen, and I loved him in. So I can't, I can't wait to rewatch all the Godzilla films and be a to watch them all in Japanese, which I've never done all of them, um, and to really be a more conscientious viewer and be like, oh. I recognize how this is an actor who has appeared before and is playing a different role. Yeah. Mm, Godzilla. Mm, Cause that <laughs> happens quite a bit. Yeah. Cause it's uh he was in the same, uh, basically the same continuity initially with uh, Mothra versus Godzilla and invasion of the Astro monsters. He also appeared in. Yes. So, and those are all in the same continuity as the original. Yeah. Some, some really, some really incredible talent actually wound up getting, connected to godzilla and you know it doesn't get a lot of appreciation in the states because most people don't watch their original performances so it it unfortunately comes across kind of hokey in the dubs the older dubs not the more not the new criterion dubs i hear they're they're more sensitive yeah um let's move on um but seriously that was a that really sucked anyway how old was he again sorry 87 87 that's so that's a nice long life though good long life um, all right, Star Trek news. Um, big Star Trek news. Uh, Paul Wesley of the Vampire Diaries has been cast as Captain James T. Kirk. Star Trek Strange New World Season 2. Insane. Mm. Insane. This is the third person to play Captain Kirk after William Shatner and Chris Pine. Um I don't know, guys. I have to be honest with you. I'm surprised it hasn't been more people by now. You think so? Why? Just like the the amount of years that have been put to Star yeah. Trek. Uh, it, it's honestly kind of surprising to me that there haven't been more actors to play Kirk. Uh, I, I, I just like not the properties to do that don't exist. I'm surprised mm-hmm. there have not been more attempts at making those properties. I guess so. But Star Trek solidified itself early on as a generational thing but i think they felt comfortable leaving kirk behind until now yeah yeah um because you could kept you could keep making new characters and it would be fine and people would accept that i guess it becomes like at what point are you i guess to me the thing always was if you were going to i didn't think it was going to happen this soon we you and i have kind of talked about this brandon um but I think once you've crossed the bridge of Strange New Worlds already has a Spock, 
Yeah. I think once you've already crossed that bridge, if you go long enough, you're going to have Kirk show up at some point. Yeah, and it does line up that Kirk would be around in Starfleet the in the various time. We don't know exactly the year that Strange New Worlds takes place, but about 2258 or 2259 um, because of where Discovery left off, um, season two. So Kirk is there. Kirk is out of the Academy. Kirk is on a ship. So like it makes sense that Kirk would be there there are some continuity things that you could just fold away. Like Kirk said in the original mm-hmm. series that he met Kirk, he met Pike when Pike gave him the ship, like gave him the enterprise. And that was the first and only time they met. Um, you can wave that away and just like discovery does that anyway. You could just be like, whatever, that doesn't matter. Fluid continuity. But I'm a little concerned that we're here this early. Because what if, what if Pike doesn't meet him? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> You gotta really work. You gotta work. Look, Strange New Worlds already. I haven't talked about Strange New Worlds that much, but like, Strange New Worlds already has an issue because one of the crewmen on the Enterprise is called Lon Noonien Singh, who is the the descendant, the great descendant of Khan Noonien Singh. Look, for those of you who know Star Trek Into Darkness, you know who that character is. He was a horrible dictator in in the nineties during the eugenics wars. Must have missed that. Um, but he. Uh, is found in Star Trek, the, in Star Trek the original series in Space Seed, um, and then The Wrath of Khan is his famous movie. But we ha- so if we have her descendant, and she in the set photos is with Kirk, so you've created this weird issue where it's like when Kirk meets when Kirk and Spock meet Khan, never comes up that they served with his descendant a few years ago. It's very like and like I'm willing to like wishy washy like whatever it's you know it's made at different times it's set it was made after the fact way after the fact but bringing in Kirk I'm not against it let me be clear I'm not against it because like I I don't mind recasting Captain Kirk we've done it already I don't care um, I'm just a little we're doing it pretty early season two I was I maybe I if with this happened I would have expected three or four so. I don't know. Yeah, I I think that we're I think that where I would be more embracing of it is if we knew that the films were done. You know, right, because not, if we were officially no longer getting Chris Pine Kirk like that's all over. Yeah. Then I'd be like, yeah, is it this makes sense to have more room for that. But the fact that we're definitely still doing that and we're getting this and that we're getting this as early as as you said. But mm-hmm. I I think it also leaves the potential of like I'd, I'd like to think that maybe it's a let's get it out of the way. Let's address the elephant in the room and then move on from it. Maybe. Could be that. Um, I'm a little concerned that it becomes the similar situation that Pike had with Discovery. Um, okay. When Pike shows up with Discovery, he overshadows that whole crew. The whole cast is just background to Captain Pike. And that was fine because we didn't know Captain Pike very well as, as a character that, at that point. And it got him the popularity to get his own show. And that was really exciting because again, we don't have that many canonical experiences with Captain Pike. Um, we have plenty of canonical stories with Captain Kirk. And I'm worried that his that his presence, because of who he is, could overshadow Captain Pike. And depending on how long he's on that show, we could lose focus of the story that we were going to Strange New Worlds for, which is Captain Pike. Sure. And I think it's something where, you know, only time will tell. Um, but I... It, it it doesn't it doesn't immediately send up all the red flags. It's just like a a teeny teeny tiny little 
little red stripe is like, ooh, is this yeah. a problem? Probably not. Yeah, I'm it even, is. I'm not even watching. Why am I saying anything? <laughs> I love it. The back and forth. It's beautiful. Um, no, I, I, I agree, though. I'm, And this is season two, not season one. And season one hasn't even aired yet. So we, we're still going to get the, you know, the Captain Pike show in season one. There's the there's the theory that they announced this so early because he um, because he might show up in season one, maybe at the maybe at the end. Um, but I think it's more likely that the set photos that leaked with him and the speculation of who that character could be uh, pushed Paramount Plus to make the decision to, to announce it early. Probably. That's what I think. Anyway, I could be wrong. Who knows? I have an article coming out about this week. So I just finished that. Well, there you go. The Mandalorian was in the news this week because Christopher mm-hmm. Lloyd, none other than Christopher Lloyd has been cast in the Mandalorian season three. Wow. Really? Yeah. Damn. Okay. Like I'm not for the hate on the entire Disney Skywalker trilogy thing, but I did see a very funny Twitter joke after this news was announced where a DeLorean pulls up on Din and Grogu hanging out, and it's like, Din, thank God you're still alive! We need to go! We need to fix it! And it's like, what happens? What happens to Grogu? It's like, it's not Grogu! You both are perfectly fine! It's the Skywalkers, Din! Something has to be done about the Skywalkers! <laughs> that is pretty funny. funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... That's pretty cool. We don't know who he is. I really like Christopher Lloyd, though. So, yeah, bring it on. Man is 83 years old. And I only know that because there was an Instagram commercial for the Adam Project with uh, Mark Ruffalo and Ryan Reynolds. And they were talking. It was like it was during Daylight that's Savings. Real, that's very good. I've seen the same thing. It's you very it, right? good. Yes. Yeah, and then they pointed to him and he's like, I know a lot about time. I'm 83 years old. And it's like, so yeah, good. it's because so what it is, what it is, what it is, it's Ryan Reynolds and Mark Ruffalo talking about how they don't know anything about time travel or or the the science of the turning the clocks forward or whatever, and then they're like, but we know someone who does, and then Christopher Lloyd shows up and he starts talking to the other. It's very good. So I think that's very funny. Uh, my number one thing about Christopher Lloyd showing up in Star Wars is I don't want even the slightest little hint at anything having to do with Doc Brown. Oh right. I don't want any cutesy. Like near Delorean esque Doc Brown mannerism crap. I don't want any of it. Let him just be something in Star Wars. All right, but Sparks, let me let me ask. So let me give you some background of this ask. You see, in in <laughs> in Solo, the vehicle that Han Solo drives is a Ford um, from nineteen seventy seven, designed yeah. to designed to look like one. What if? What if he drives a ship that looks slightly like the DeLorean? That's like that's like the furthest, and even then, I'm really, really anti it. To be honest, like yeah. I, it's part of it is I feel like that's all Christopher Lloyd ever gets to do. That isn't the Adams family, is some and, cheeky um, nod to appearing to Back to the Future. I also say Judge Doom, but we haven't seen him in many villain roles, or unless I'm wrong. Right, um, no, who framed who framed Roger Rabbit is also one. Like there's there's him. definitely there's definitely roles, but it feels like with with an increasing frequency over the years, it becomes how can we make a wink wink nudge nudge to the fact that this is Doc Brown from Back to the Future. Sure. And and like wherever that happens, it, it feels like it always comes up. So like I just I just yeah. I just want him to be a, a character in Star Wars. I just think that in itself is cool. 
He was in Nobody, by the way. Right. The we talked Bob we talked film. briefly about that in the trailer because we saw him for like a split second. Well, oh, uh, I did see the I did see a, a fun uh, bit of fan casting that he's um um the hell is that girl's name? What's Sheena Carano's character? Oh, Cara Dune. She he's Cara Dune. <laughs> Man. I, I hope I hope he's something really fun. And Me too. he also kind of makes the because he was in Star Trek, he was in what? Uh, 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 Search for Spock, right? Yep. Yeah, Star Trek 3, Search for Spock. So he was in Star Trek, now he's in Star Wars. Oh, Jesus. He's probably a droid. Oh, you're right. He's probably the voice of a droid. Probably. Yeah. You know he what? Was a, you, know, you know what? He was a Klingon in Star Trek 3, The Search for Spock. That is a good Klingon, even though it's blackface. Anyway. That happened far too often. That's in that franchise. I'm sorry, Sparks. Are you okay? Yeah, I just didn't want to deal with that right now. <laughs> I was talking. We were watching an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. I was watching an episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation with um, with uh, so Michael Dorn. You guys know who Michael Dorn is? Yeah. Okay. Um. <laughs> so Michael Dorn plays Worf, the Klingon. Um, oh, that guy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's the he's the Klingon. And uh, he, he's an African-American gentleman. Wrong episode. Um, he's an African-American gentleman. And he got a son a couple seasons ago in Search of the Next Generation. Alexander Rojenko. It's a... Klingons are, are dark-skinned. Well, here's his son. That's not quite coming through. Oh, no. <laughs> the whitest boy you've ever seen. Oh, boy. That's not... <laughs> Oh, was those? What was the kid's name? That that night, the famous tennis kid who was in Home Improvement. Um, um, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Yeah, here's the here's him as a Klingon. Yeah, for audio listeners, he looks like Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and then then he very much looks like he's I a mean, white Kling- guy in blackface. Very Ooh. close because Klingon. Oh, man. Many Ooh. white people play Klingons. Uh, it is, I it, look. That's a gray area to be sure, but like, yeah, it's a very murky gray area. <laughs> For some reason, it feels less racist than it did back in the '60s when they just kind of painted them Puerto Rican. <laughs> I mean, it's because like they decided that is the look of the race, and yeah. I guess no one made a formal decision that like that means that they are black and black people should play them, right? Which they maybe should have made that decision, but they clearly didn't. So they're like, well, but but this is the color of the race. So anyone who shows up will have to make them look like that. Right. Well, what are you going to do? That's a lot of yikes. I think the new Klingons are all African. <clears throat> nope. Mary Shifo's white. So, I'm hey, Chris, we're Star Wars. <laughs> hey, how cool was that? <laughs> I just for- I forgot about the Klingon High Chancellor of Discovery as a white girl. She just came out as gay, though. Congratulations. Hmm. Um, oh my god, really, Grayson? Really? Cast me as Spock, Sparks as Scotty, and Brandon as Kirk. <laughs> uh, I already said like Captain Kirk, so. Harley Quinn season three was in the news this week because mm-hmm. James Gunn has revealed that he is voicing himself. That's who nice. was also directing a Wayne, a Thomas Wayne, a Wayne Thomas, a Thomas Wayne biopic in universe. Perfect. Brilliant. I like that oh. quite a bit. Um, I was like, yeah. 
Um, they also cast Nightwing. I totally forgot to mention that I don't have it up now, but they cast the character, they cast Nightwing. Um, and then Kite Man is getting a spinoff series. Yeah, I heard Ooh. about that. Like a full series or like a short series? It sounds like a full series. They they talked about it like it's like Cheers, but with supervillains. Oh, okay. You know what? With okay, so when I first heard that Kite Man was getting its own series, I was kind of uh, I mean, I like Kite Man the Harley Quinn show a lot, but at the same time, I didn't feel like he can throw he can pull a whole series. Um, but if it's going to be Cheers, but like villains or DC superhero villains with how wacky and crazy and outright lovable a lot of the villains are in Harley Quinn. I can see that working, so I'm actually you. I'm, you just turned me around on that, Brandon. I'm gonna try to pronounce this correctly. Harvey Guillen, uh, who's known for playing Guillermo del de la Cruz on What We Do in the Shadows for FX, is playing Nightwing. He's playing Nightwing. Yes. Oh, I love that guy. He's so good in that show. Cool. Um, Sparks, I got some bad news. Oh no. Worse than uh, the Klingon news? <laughs> eh, depends on how much you care about this, I guess. I, I know this news. Dragon Ball Super, superhero, has been delayed indefinitely. Yeah. Um, now, that doesn't mean it's it's going to be a year out till we get it. It's just what happened was a uh, cyber attack on Toei Animation happened this month, uh, mm-hmm. and it deleted and corrupted a lot of their projects. Um, and they have pulled a bunch of their shows with no plan of bringing them back at this point, such as Digimon, the new Digimon series. I think it's called Ghost Dimension or whatever. Um, that's off the air right now. It will come back. They just don't know when. One and then Piece. One Piece. And then Dragon Ball Super, Superhero, the movie. Do there, was another, there was another major one that was affected, but I forget what it was. Me too. Um, but the movie was supposed to come out next year, next month in uh, Japan, and now that is not happening. Wow, what a bunch of dicks. Yeah, that sucks. I mean... But hey, 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 maybe that simultaneous international release now, baby. They just have no choice. Maybe. Maybe, but man. Why would you want to go after toy animation, though? I mean, it's... They call it a cyber attack, but really what it could be is just people try to hack into the system to get the movie. Right. Probably. You know, yeah. that that that's also possible. What Toei said actually was that it was a um, it was an unauthorized um, access to their servers that corrupted and deleted a bunch of files. Mm. So uh, sorry, not files, projects. That's the worst. Thing. That's the worst word, I think, because like a whole show could have been deleted and we won't know. True. Man, that man, that's a bummer. Yeah, that sucks. We will wait on. I will, yep. Quick side note: I can just imagine the poor soul who walked into work the next day after the the hacking, and they're like, "Man, I'm almost done with this long project. It took me months." And they go in, they see the entire file just wiped. It's like a college student's worst nightmare when their finals do. It doesn't sound like whole things got wiped. It sounds like pieces were have issues, and so they have to have time to now scrub through. Mm. Yeah, because they don't know what is gone what's damaged what's whatever yeah there's yeah. no time still sucks um, yeah absolutely uh actually i'll talk about this after um so i'll tell you this one next jack black is returning to the role of poe from kung fu panda 
Netflix has partnered with DreamWorks again. Weird. Um, to develop a uh, Kung Fu Panda TV series uh, with another Jack one. Black returning. Another, another one. one. Another one. The because third? The, the third. The third. Right. Because we know that Chris Wendell was in the second one for Amazon. Mm-hmm. And then they had one before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, it's all on my list. Uh, all the sequels to the to the DreamWorks animated movies, all the show sequels, it's all there. No, um, uh, they there's so many Madagascar TV shows. My God. Um, so, but the big deal is that Jack Black never returned as Poe, except for the right. movies, right? And now he is giving him a lot of money to do it, probably. Yeah, this kind of feels like to me there's probably more money in uh, being put into this than the other two uh, Panda shows that were put out. We'll see. Uh, having the main voice actor on the series has not always been an indicator of quality. Jay Baruchel in the Dragon series. The so whole, The whole cast of the Dragon series. Yeah, so, I mean, <clears throat> we'll see. Yeah. T.J. Miller was the only one who didn't come back for those shows. Um. I do am curious if perhaps this means so okay, so the third so the second series, which was the one that's set after three, has him training a bunch of young pandas, uh, in like the ways of like these various masters. Um the Chris Wendell's in that one, friend of the show. And he uh and that show takes place sometime after the third film, enough time passed that he's no longer talking to the other, or at least the other are no longer in his life, the other uh, heroes from the movie. No, they're just they're doing other things and they see him on weekends. Yeah, sure. Um so I do I am curious if we'll see this show retcon what has already come before be set after or bring back those other characters and if so will the original actors come back? The main thing I know about all of the Dreamworks shows is that none of them really give a shit about continuity. That is also true. <laughs> so the aforementioned dragon show. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anyway. Remember how uh, don't never forget how in the Fast and Furious universe there are multiple seasons about kid spies. There are six seasons of that show. Yeah. Bullshit. And in the last seasons. and in the last one, Dom Toretto shows up and helps out these kids because family. Because family. <laughs> family. <laughs> there I I once I saw so normally, so it's a little inside baseball. I don't like to put trailers on the on the show for shows that we're a not watching and b have multiple seasons. So like, if a show comes out season three, if like a trailer for season three comes out for a show none of us are watching, I won't put it on there. But like season two, I'll do it uh, to see if like this catches our interest. I saw a trailer dropped for Spy Racers, and I was like, oh okay, I'll put that one on there. But it was season four, and I was like, what happened? Where did the other three seasons go? wild all right um i i have no faith in dreamworks television and i say this as someone who has watched some and like been modestly entertained by them camp cretaceous is one of the better outings i've ever seen i think camp cretaceous is pretty solid yeah i think it certainly can be it's definitely like running a better track record than most of them yeah i definitely think the first dragon show is pretty good after that, they kind of lost their way, I feel. I agree. Yeah. Um, that was on Carson Network. Dreamworks just keeps getting bounced around. They do. 
So was the so was the first Kung Fu Panda show, Cartoon Network. I thought that was Netflix original. Mm-mm. Oh. I could swear I remember watching card or seeing hey. commercials on that for Cartoon. Oh Network. wait, was it Nickelodeon? Oh, because that feels right in my head. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? We'll never know. It's a Dreamworks, mystery. DreamWorks just pumps this shit out and shops it around. It would be interesting to see if this is a real step in a direction of like wanting to take actual quality control on their shows. Sure. Um, I really like those Kung Fu Panda movies. I don't really like I, I do too, but I don't really care about a show. I think I've gotten everything I need out of Kung Fu Panda with those three films, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Which is one of the reasons why I love Chris Swindle, still haven't bothered to really watch the Amazon show. Mm-hmm. Um uh He's the only reason I would. Um, but it gives me this teeniest sliver of hope for Megamind. Yeah, right, because that's, of the Megamind That's film. the one I care about. That's the one where I'm like, please get the voice actors back. Please like bring cool. everything you got. Bring your A-game for it, because that's the one I want to hit. Yeah. I, um, I wonder if this show will be the one that makes me interested in going back to the Kung Fu Panda world. Cause like, again, I uh, really like those movies. I'm, I got what I wanted and needed out of them. I didn't need more, but Jack Black coming back kind of already piques my interest. Like I'd like to see him as Poe again or yeah. hear him as Poe again. And so I'm kind of like, Oh, will this be the one that really changes direction? Mm-hmm. Anyway, we'll see Lightyear though. Lightyear. Um, the upcoming Pixar film Lightyear has all but guaranteed its theatrical release. Um, because last week we talked about the um, Don't Say Gay Bill, um, what is colloquially called. Um, we talked about uh, a lot of what that did to Disney, what it, kind of the implications of it. Um, and this week, Pixar revealed via Variety that they were able, or they just did it. Uh, that's, that's a little unclear. Um, it, it, they make it sound like they just did it. Yeah, they've re- they reinserted a same-sex kiss between two uh, characters in the film. Yes, we now know that Hawthorne, who's the black lady space ranger we've been seeing, mm-hmm. is gay, and I love it. And she's in a relationship. Yes, and let we were still going to see the context of that relationship exist, but not the overt displays of affection. Yeah. And now we're getting overt displays of affection, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, and I hope that they didn't get permission. They just said, we're doing it. It's time to fight the power. <laughs> like, because, like because, what are you going to do? Because, like, for one thing, like, if you keep that in, Disney's not putting that on their service right away. They're not being like, yeah, Lightyear doesn't get the doesn't get the the theatrical release. And um, over here sitting there over there going saying, "Good, put it in theaters." Well, because like watch. that's the make- only that's the only way that Pixar could guarantee at this point that they get the theatrical release because Disney is very much not willing to just be like, "Okay, we'll put a same sex kiss on our service." Yeah, like, they'll just get the they'll just get shit on anyway. Who cares? Um. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's, we didn't have no reason to have talked about it, but there is that um, really interesting thing of like, I, I believe the red carpet premiere just happened for better, better, dr- better like, Nate than ever, better Nate than ever, yeah, yes. and, which is like very focally pointed on a flamboyantly queer boy, mm-hmm. <laughs> and like to have all this happening while they're going to like be promoting that as a Disney Plus original, I'm like, boy, you really got to like start championing if you're going to be putting things like this prominently on the service yeah i'm so i'm really glad that pixar did this me too i'm glad that this happened i'm really glad that disney lost you know like we talked about like disney was on their back foot for the first time in in many years and it it allowed this kind of thing to come through uh to happen 
Um, there's far more that needs to be done from that company. Um, but this is, I think, a step in the right direction and positive uh, only for Pixar. Uh, it's important. To, it's important to note that every studio aligned with Disney pretty much felt like they had to put out a message this past week where they said we stand with the LGBTQ community. That's true. They did. And yeah. don't support Marvel Studios did it. Lucasfilm did it. A lot of places are saying like, you know, we are really, really on board and we are not the ones making this kind of call. Yeah. Uh, so like, you know, whether how wholeheartedly that is true, depending on chains of command, whatever, like the fact that they all felt the need to do, it really shows like a sea change is happening in the company where they're like, we need to champion certain things. And so the studios themselves, regardless of Disney's position are feeling the need that they have to come forward and say, you know, regardless of what you're hearing about the company at large, our parent company, this is how we feel. Yeah. And I think that was important. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> all right. <clears throat> So we got a bunch of comic book news that happened this week. Oh, lordy. Um, for example, the Hellfire Gala. It's been a year, guys. The Hellfire Gala is coming back. Jesus. Cool. <laughs> I didn't read a single issue of the first one. I just finished. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Hellfire Gala is coming back because they are they are continuing with their threat that is a yearly thing. Um, Jerry Duggan will be uh, writing a one-shot this time. So it's not a bunch of titles tying in... <clears throat> It's just a one shot, which I feel like probably the best way to go at this point if you're going to keep doing this. It's a one night event. Yeah. I don't need to see 12 issues say the same event from 12 different points of view. Um, Who don't we all? I love how I met your mother season nine. Like, what are you talking about? Uh, you know, I do kind of I, look, I like that. I like that season. <laughs> Whatever. No, I do too. Yeah, now. That's, that's, yeah. Now. <laughs> all right. Anyway, so Jerry Duggan is writing this um, with Russell Dodderman, uh, Matteo Lolly, C.F. Villa, Villa, and Chris Anka. Um, so that's the that's the art team. Yeah. Um, they said that the mutants will look to change the Marvel Universe again, much like they did with uh, turning terraforming Mars into Araco. Um, Man, mutants—they just can't stop mutating. That's true. Oh my god. Um, change the Marvel Universe again. But an, unde- an uninvited guest uh, throws, uh, turns, throws the party into chaos. You don't say. Oh, no. no. Uh, it's better than the murder of a character that the two of you don't know who it is? Nope. Okay, then I won't say. Um, it's pretty messed up, though. Anyway, um, and it'll also introduce uh, a, the new X-Men team. That's what the Hellfire Gala is going is, is meant to do. It's going to introduce the X-Men. The, the, we all vote. They rig it so that the characters become the characters. Marvel also revealed their Pride one-shot lineup. Mm-hmm. So Marvel Voices Pride will be coming out this this year um, in June. Um, this is going to introduce a new character um, from the, from Charlie Jane Anders, much in the same way that Steve. Not Steve Bloom, Steve Orlando um, introduced a character that's going to be a Marauders. They promise that this character will be a prominent Marvel character going forward. Um, the lineup includes a Moon Dragon story from Christopher Cantwell, a Hercules story uh, from Andrew Wheeler and with art by yeah. Brittany Williams, a Young Avengers story. That's pretty Hell exciting. yeah! From Alyssa Wong and Stephen Byrne, and D Man. Ben, do you know who D-Man is? 
I mean, it's not death, man, because that's no. We just we we just oh no, no, because we didn't do that for a book club, did we? Uh, no, he was in, no, he was in the Hawkeye free fall. Was he? Oh, wasn't he for it. like a single issue? He shows oh, you're up right. Yeah, top. you're right. Yeah, He's yeah. the guy who looks like Daredevil but has the Wolverine helmet. Yeah, yeah. That's I think Steven. I do remember. I think I do. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, he's he's going to have a story which written by Grace Fraud uh, with art by Scott B. Henderson. I did not know that character was gay, but apparently he, he is. Um, and supposedly he's introducing like a bunch of new trans heroes Ooh. to the Marvel Universe. Hell yeah. And then uh, Ira Madison III will explore the legacy of Pride. That's all that said. I wasn't quite sure what that meant. Um, and then champion scribe Daniel Lore will revisit the legacy of two characters long left in the closet in a tale of love and redemption. And that's all we know about that. So. Man, that sounds good. Yeah. F me up. Then DC announced their pride, like an hour later. Sure. <laughs> uh, DC Pride 2022 will be their one shot. Mm -hmm. uh, they did one last year, and so they'll do one this year. It's going to, introduce, going to have an introduction from Nicole Maines, dreamer from Supergirl. Yes. Uh, which will also include a tease what of what her upcoming DC project is because she's been writing for DC for a bit. Right. Um, she's got something coming up. Yep. Uh, these are the titles in the creative teams. Alyssa Yo and Batgirl. Art by Jadzia Axelrod. I love that name. Jadzia Axelrod. That's a beautiful name. Congratulations. So uh, I really hope that they eventually become a singer in a heavy metal band. That's like the perfect name they for will it. What makes you writer. think they haven't already? Jadzia is a is a Star Trek character. Just fun fact. Um, with Lynn Yoshi on art, Aquaman Jackson Hyde Aquaman by Alyssa Wong with art by uh, W Scott Forbes, Joe Mullen, the Green Lantern from Far Sector, um, will be written by Teeny Howard with art by Evan Cagle. Evan Cagle. Harley Quinn and Poison Ivy, because you got to have them in there. Mm -hmm. uh, Danny Fernandez with art by Zoe Thorogood. Thorogood. The Ray with art by with written by Greg Lockwood with art by Guilio McKeon McKeone. I'm sorry. John Kent, Superman. Mm-hmm. Written by Dev Devin Grayson with art by Nick Robles. And then Tim Drake will have one uh, written and drawn by Travis G. Moore. And more. They, it's like 100 plus pages and they haven't said who the... There's, I think there's like probably one or two more stories in this. Yeah. That's their one shot. Then they kept going. <laughs> and completely blew Marvel out of the water. Because they were like, we don't just have a one shot this year. We have series this year. Poison Ivy is getting a six-issue miniseries written by G. Willow Wilson with art by Marcio uh, Takara. Um, this will see Poison Ivy leave Gotham City uh, to heal the damage that humanity has dealt to the world. Mm -hmm. Kind of a humanitarian thing. Nubia, Queen of the Amazons, written by Stephanie Williams. No artist uh, as, yet, as yet announced. Yeah. going to be a, a four-issue miniseries. Nubia is now the queen of all the Amazon tribes and will be going on a world tour. Hmm. Um, because the, that's what the trial of the Amazons is about, is her becoming that. God okay. bless it. DC Pride, Tim Drake special. <clears throat> um, we'll collect Tim Drake's stories from Batman Urban Legends. This is the one where he came out as bisexual. 
Um, he's had a couple of stories since. This will collect all of those as well as collect a new story um, written by, uh, which will be, um, which will see him team up with his former Young Justice teammates and the Batgirls. I didn't write down the, the, the team, but it's the same team from Batman Urban Legends that I feel really bad. I, did, I forgot to write that down. Um, but they're doing this. Gotcha. Nice. And then finally, Multiversity, Teen Justice. Before I say what this is, I really hope that Multiversity becomes a line-wide title that introduces different multiverse stories. Mm. I think that'd be really cool. That would. Um, it's even got the trade dress, like the Multiversity Grant Morrison stories. Really cool. Uh, this is going to be written by Ivan Cohen and Daniel Lohr with art by Marco uh, Feya and Enrica Aaron Angiolini. Hmm. That's a name. Um, this is going to be a six years for miniseries and will feature the teen heroes from Earth 11. This is where uh, Jess Chambers comes from. Uh, they are a non, they are the non-binary flash that was seen in future state justice league. Okay. Um, this is, this is their earth and their team before they came to earth prime. Very cool. Yeah. I thought that was really cool. And people were really excited about that. And rightfully so. Cause like, you know, there needs to be more of this. You can't just do this for one month and just be yeah. like, Hey, we did it. Yeah. You can't just do it for one month and bow out. It's like, hey, this is what's up for June. It's like, cool. Anything after that? What I know, I, I know, I know. Ben said bow out. I heard bow wow. <laughs> bow wow. <laughs> you can't just do this for one month and then bow wow. <laughs> bow wow. Bow wow. It was bow funny. wow. Bow wow. What am I referencing? Bow wow. What was that? Bow wow. Bow wow. wow. No, it's not that. There is something. There was something. No, I'm not. Uh, I. Why would I reference a rapper? I don't know. <laughs> no, there's a movie. Bow, bow, wow. It's. Oh, it's Fifel Goes West. Oh man. It's an American tale. Fifel Goes West. It's when the dog is learning how to be a dog by Jimmy Stewart. Dog. Oh, yeah, this is yeah, a real okay. movie, guys. This is a real. This movie, is a guys. real movie. No, this is a real movie. It's one of my favorite movies as a as a child, and I yeah. Jimmy remember. Stewart has to train the dog to fight the outlaws, and so he's like, you gotta learn to bark, and because like you gotta you gotta learn to bark. So teach me how to. So show me how, show me your bark, and he goes bow wow, bow wow wow, bow wow. Isn't it the cat? No, it's a. Oh yeah, it's a cat trying to be a dog. This is the orange cat, right? Yeah, right. I forgot the movie already. Yes. I remember that. Yes, you're correct. Um, it's very good that DC is <laughs> pushing forward <laughs> with these Pride series. I did this. I understand this was my fault <laughs> for saying what happened in my stupid brain. Um, and there's Grace think, in the chat going bow wow too. I think this is really great that DC Comics is like, this is more than just one time only appearances. I yeah. will say, I will say, to Marvel's defense of like how they handle Pride stuff, they do have queer characters regularly appearing in their series That's true. all over the place constantly, and DC has been bad at that part, so the fact that they are starting to compensate in the other direction, not that I think Marvel shouldn't step up their Pride celebrations with like specifically geared series and things like that, they should. Um, or that we do need still more prominent representation on Marvel's side, we do. But D this was Marvel had been doing like steadily well and DC had been lagging bad and pretty yeah. much only doing the one month shot. And now we're getting like, let's take a big leap forward. Okay. Yeah. That's great. I agree. 
Huh. I love talking about American Tale. You guys remember we're back a dinosaur story? I'm done. That um, I remember. <laughs> how can I forget you sent me a reel talking about do you remember the plot of this movie? It's insane. Who wrote this? I think about that movie sometimes and I'm like, did I make that up? <laughs> I just remember yeah. the scene where Screw Eye gets eaten by the crows and all that's left is a screw. <laughs> that's a really dark movie. Yeah, that, that's that's pretty dark. It's like he's really? he sees the crows, the crows encircle him like a freaking Edgar Allan Poe sketch, and then it's like just the just a screw eye. Like it. really, really beautiful animation, possibly misused for its time <laughs> period, but like really beautiful. Yeah, Ron Goodman as a T Rex. I've oh, never yeah. forgotten. I've mm-hmm. never forgotten. You know what? I've never forgotten. Roll back the clock to the dawn of time and yes, sing this yes, song exactly, with me. exactly. Uh, forever in my brain. Holy! Shit. I will never forget that song for as long as I live. The Someday. things I have forgotten to keep that song in my memory. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, hold up, Max. By the way, hi, Max. Uh, a famous CNN news anchor voiced a character. Is that in We're Back? Yeah. I'm, yes, I'm sure it is. We're Back. It wasn't uh, Anderson Cooper, was it? Expect expect we're back to be in animation station someday. One hundred percent. All right, but anyway, Black Adam. So you're a Black Adam, guys. Black Adam. Christopher Priest, with art by Rafa Sandoval, will be doing a Black Adam uh, comic book series. Black Adam is infected with a plague that is stripping him of his immortality, and he transfers his power to a successor, who he feels can redeem the legacy of Black Adam. Hmm. So essentially, he's becoming the wizard. Yeah, kind of, but it looks like he's just kind of like, he doesn't want to die, but he also doesn't want people to remember him badly if he does, so. Okay. You know, the famous dictator, Black Adam. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Grayson, of course, he's like, well, we're on that tangent. Tell me about Professor Radigan. No. Even though I do like Professor Radigan, he's pretty cool. (laughs) Who, Who doesn't? That's that's really stepping into a whole other landmine. That's Vincent Price right there. You got it is. It is one of the greatest animated roles because it's Vincent Price. Wait, and we're back? No, no, no. In in uh, the Great Great Mouse Mouse Detective. Detective. Oh, I haven't seen the Great Mouse Detective in a long time. You should. For Vincent Price alone, it's worth it. Yeah, I can attest to that. All right, and then so there's been a lot of talk about what this Riddler thing could be. Um, you know, at the end of the Batman, there was a, a you go to the URL, rada lada, and there was a lot of stuff um, uh, pertaining to the Batman. Well, uh, this week it announced a comic book, right? And DC officially um, announced this Riddler Year One, mm-hmm. written mm-hmm. by Paul Dano, right? Um, with art by Stephen uh, Subic. And real quickly, DC were- did not put that in their announcement. No, they did not. It was a real real blunder yeah so i found that out from discussing film yeah um yeah this is gonna be a six issue miniseries it will be released every other month starting in october under the black label yeah so i suspect this is pre the batman riddler yeah it does it does make sense that that would be i don't think this is riddler year one for riddler in the regular well, it's obviously Black Label, so it wouldn't be. So I think this is Riddler Year One for for the Batman. Oh no, that is confirmed. Like this is the Batman. Okay, continuity. so that is that is one hundred percent clear. Great. 
Yeah. Uh, Matt Reeves. Matt Reeves came out and said that uh, this is set in the in the Batman continuity. So this is a comic book, which is cool. I think that that's really cool. Yeah. Keep expanding. Yeah. yeah that universe is dope. Riddler is my favorite villain. Uh, just period. So I'm I'm happy to get more with him. Sure. Hopefully, Paul Dano can write a comic book. Hopefully, better than J.J. Abrams. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Ooh, okay. I know that's a sick one. At the same time, I'm scared because I don't know if I have if I. What do you, you remember when they announced Spider-Man Four? Ben. Him, him, oh. and his, him and his son wrote that Spider-Man story. JJ, that's I remember. J, yep. Never mind. Yeah. All right. I must have blocked that from my memory, but I remember that were, now. Where they immediately murdered Mary Jane. No, she came back. She got better. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. I, I don't I never read it. I only know from Twitter bitching about it. <laughs> uh, I just I just remember what a bunch of like comic book writers who've been in the industry for years and who've been dying to write Spider-Man and people have told them they're never gonna write Spider-Man. It's like and now a famous guy or the son of a famous guy is writing Spider-Man. This. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we are we've been on this tangent before, so we don't need to bring up anything. I think I think it's different. Paul Dano does have a certain amount of like, yeah, you you could write this character. You you helped create this character, so sure. Uh, this if version he's, of this if he's got if he's got a vision for it, if he's got the writing chops for it, then great. Yeah. Honestly, I look at it the same way as like James Gunn. If James Gunn went to write a Peacemaker comic instead of the show. Yeah, sure. True. Yeah. I wouldn't. Um, I wouldn't go quite that far, but but I get you. Well, I, yeah, I guess the the one to one parallel would be John Cena writing a Peacemaker character. Right. Exactly. Where you're oh. like that might work. Yeah. Um, all right, trailers though. Ooh, trailers. Wow, we're here. We're here. Um, the park, baby. Dead by Daylight. Sadako Rising. It's the gameplay yeah, trailer. There's not a lot to say about the trailer other than like she's here, and I don't know how we're supposed to kill her. <laughs> right? She looks very powerful. I'm like, I don't know. Like, do we just stay away from televisions? Because <laughs> she, because she doesn't like kill you. She doesn't like touch you. It's all like mind powers that that kill you that get you and so you're like well, how far can she be she's gonna like, be like how Freddy far away on crack yeah you see her in the tr- in the thing like she can go through tvs and she can go through the, the generators or is this traps you with i don't know it looks cool though this looks like a really cool addition to the game sure we need to get back to it yeah we should this october dead by daylight ben Did gets we... myrtle-urtled did we? There's a Dead by Daylight. I don't know why I'm saying this. There's a Dead by Daylight um, private video that we recorded. Did, was that ever put up? Yeah. Okay. Everything everything we've done with Dead by Daylight has been posted. Okay. Um, the quarry. The quarry. Um, there's a lot of actors. Oh yeah, this is the like until dawn looking game. Yeah, yeah. but with Justice Smith and David Arquette. David and, Arquette. Hey, until and, dawn uh, had. Famous actors too. It had Hayden Pantier and Rami Malik and True. Rami Malik before he hit it big, and then <laughs> disappeared. Um, yeah, this uh, this looks like this. Uh, I think Megan put it very well, where she's like, "It's not showing you anything particularly new in the horror genre, but potentially in the playing of it, you could you could make things feel fresh." So, yeah. um, could be cool. Yeah. I'm all I'm always in for like cool horror horror games play well to this kind of experience. So I I think this could be just as solid as Until Dawn. I would almost I mean this is like a movie cast, right? Like I would almost like 
feel like this could be a movie. Yeah. That's, that's kind of the point. Superman. That's that's kind of the point of these kind of games is to make you feel like it could be a movie, but it isn't. Um, yeah. Is is to make you feel like, yeah, you you could be watching this or you could be deciding how it goes, taking part of it. It's really like the the horror genre next step of the choose your own adventure. Sure. Uh, we kind of thing. We didn't we decided not to talk about Scream Five Cream until October, but uh David Arquette delivers some incredible performance in that movie. Yeah, yeah. Uh truly, truly great. Um yeah, this is coming from 2K games. So they are not the same team. I'm double checking this to be sure, but I am pretty confident of it. Um, they are not the same team that does Until Dawn or has been doing the, the these kinds of games um, for like the the series of the I forget what they're called, but like Man of Madon and things like that that sure. are part of it. Um, so this is a this is a different uh, company taking on this kind of style. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah, makes sense. The Pentaveret. I don't have a lot to say about this. I really only put it in there because this is Mike Myers. Yeah, no, it's nice to see Mike Myers again. And like, there's there's a good cast of people here, like Keegan Michael Key and Ken Jeong, uh, that make me want to watch this. It's interesting that it's a series and not a movie. Yeah. Was that the voice um, of Jeremy Irons that we heard in the very beginning? It sure sounded like it. It does sound like it. Yeah. Um, part of. I don't know. I also kind of feel I don't know how to feel about this. I mean, don't once again. I'm glad to see Mike Myers doing Mike Myers stuff, like Austin or something on the same vein as Austin Powers, the Love Guru. Please, mm, that was a movie he did, and that was a movie I saw in theaters. And the only reason why I remember it somewhat fondly is because it had to do with hockey, and I was on a huge hockey kick back then. Or I was starting to get into my huge hockey game. Okay, keep going. Keep, keep going. Anyways, it's I, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know. I might have to see. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know. I don't necessarily how to feel about this either. I don't. I, I'm not sure the trailer conveys it as a comedy, um, but it is. I, I'm glad to see Mike Myers doing Mike Myers again. Yeah. yeah, I don't think I don't think it conveys anything that's making me go. I think that this could be good on its own, and I think I'd be more trepidatious because I don't feel like I've had a solid Mike Myers appearance in a while mm-hmm. except and i hate to say that this is what did it but that super bowl dr evil commercial yeah sure does help to make me feel like okay he does still got it yeah it is still there so mm-hmm. um we'll see the last movie i saw him in was bohemian rhapsody oh i didn't see that so the last movie i saw him in was um inglorious bastards yeah he's so- very good in that he is very good in that that's the I last movie remind, I saw him in. I always have to remind myself that was that's Mike Myers in Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, he plays the record label guy. I forgot yeah. he was in that movie. I still haven't seen it. Yeah, and like you know, you don't. He's under so much makeup, you don't know it's him. It's very. It's it could have gone uncredited. Sure, but he, but going to Sparks's thing about Inglorious Bastards' great role in Inglorious Bastards, even though he was on screen for five minutes. Less. Adam by Eve. I was surprised you put this on here. Yeah, I okay. don't know what it is, and I wanted to know if you did. I, oh, I gotta okay. confess, um, I would I did not see this one because when I looked it up on YouTube, I saw trailers from like three weeks ago. I'm like, this can't be right. And then I kept scrolling down, it was like a bunch of biblical stuff. I'm like, oh no. Okay. 
uh the the trailer is a little old um we we missed it and mm. this is now out on netflix as of the 18th um i i was thinking about bringing it up but i i when i saw brandon i was like oh great then we'll just talk about it anyway so um this is a j-pop band that made the the prominent first thing you're hearing is the intro theme for jujutsu kaisen um, i knew that sounded familiar yeah uh and so what it is is um if you've ever seen a film like god i forget what it's called but hold on um this is basically like a j-pop version of i'm gonna look up the name metallica did a film called metallica through the never which is where you're watching a concert but at the same time that the concert is happening so is a narrative about a character uh in the same world that the concert is taking place uh and that character was played by dane dehan and so you're basically like getting a concert experience where you're watching the musicians play the music but at the same time you're also seeing a character living in the world going through something that is music video representational of the themes of the music and things like that in a full narrative that uses multiple songs from the artists that's essentially what this is except with well, that's why they call it and, a live anime yes and anime uh anime intermixed with live action appearances um Ooh. super interesting uh it's one of those it's one of those like concert also combining narrative concepts um it's like it's like watching a concept album oh that's cool so um i'm really interested in it because i like their music and i like the idea of blending animation and live action in interesting ways which this looks like it's really really going through some interesting phases um and the fact that like it's all just music backing for it uh is cool but that's what this is it's it's like it's one of those kinds of things got it all right cool shout out even if you're not a fan of metallica metallica through the never pretty cool film worth watching sometime maybe i'll check it out tech and bloodline ben how do you feel about this i don't know uh actually kind of looks pretty good i I, yeah i like how some of the how it's like we talked about mixing 3d with classic 2d animation and i feel like this kind of mix it it does the job to make it work where you have it's not a mix this is very clearly netflix set real quickly Netflix said this is a 3D anime. There's oh. no mix. It's 3D. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say that I think sometimes it looks good and sometimes it looks bad. Um, the faces have very little going on. Yeah. They're very stiff. Um, uh, there's that one guy with the ridiculous hair and the mustache. When he walks forward, he basically looks like a mech. Yeah. Walking in 3D yeah, animation. Think... This is why this is why I'm not crazy about all 3D animation. Um yeah. Tekken means dick to me. Um, it, it just means nothing to me. It's a nothing uh, fighting series that I've never touched. Uh, not to shame it, I've just never have. So I have zero connection to these characters and zero interest in this. Did story you not looks... see that live action film that came out in the early 2000s? Nope. It seems generic anime bullshit to me. Mm-hmm. Um, that is in animation that's like, okay uh reasonably passable better than most 3d anime i've seen where it's like solely 3d anime i will grant it that yeah 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 with tech i mean i'm almost in the same boat you are i have played tekken in the arcades very rarely um i i don't know much about tekken besides kazuya like when in the smash trailer when he was announced i didn't know he could turn into a demon that was the first time i realized that happens i'm like oh shit so but 
outside of that, right yeah, I mean, outside of that, and like, I mean, I might give it a shot, but at the same time, if I was a bigger fan of Tekken, I might care. But if you're a huge fan of Tekken, then I say go for it. I'm, uh, if I'm being honest, like, it, I'd rather it was a Street Fighter series because if it was Street Fighter, I'd have a little more like encouragement mag literally while i'm saying this jump in, like saying second over street fighter that's the cool man like second. i have no i have no association honestly i have zero association with either i've just ended up playing with more street fighter characters just because of marvel versus capcom that's that's, good. That's, at the end of the day that's it uh I, I, if the animation looked better, I'd be more willing to take a dive on it. But the animation well, yeah, it's kind of, it, it's kind of like me with like, you know, I've never played Dota or Arcane, but I watch those shows, and so like I could, there is a world where I could be very interested in watching this show, but the animation doesn't mm-hmm. do much for me, nor does the story look like it's a story that I'm interested in. It just kind of looks like a poor man's Mortal Kombat. Yeah. Um, no, and I'm sure maybe the game's not, but that's what I'm getting from this trailer. Yes, yeah. I agree. Uh, I mean, to be perfectly honest, if I got if I had to pick between which Namco fighting game should get an animated show, it'd be Soul Calibur because there is a good story in there. There's a God long story it. in there. I, I wish you had never said that. <laughs> okay, well, on that note, you hate me for it. I'm I'm mad at you for it because it doesn't exist. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, moving on. Jesus, how has there not been a Soul Calibur show? I don't know. Yell at Namco. They probably know which makes them more money, which is Tekken, unfortunately. Or not unfortunately, but whatever. It's all the moms. They don't want anybody to have to look at Voldo for too long. <laughs> You're 100%. <laughs> Barks. Don't worry about it, Brandon. Yes. I'm not. Yes, I'm moving on. Yes, sir. You wanted to put this one on here. I'm a little surprised. I'll be honest. Tokyo Vice. So I am so conflicted about this because... I really want to watch, like, you tell me, hey, we're making an HBO Max limited series set in Japan about police crime. What? I am all, with Ken Watanabe? Are you kidding me? So excited. We also put one of the leads as Ansel Elgort. Well, God damn it. (laughs) Damn it. (laughs) Damn it. Shit, you had me up until that moment. Um, Last Samurai situation. It really well, so it's based. So he's he's really, it's based on a true thing, mm-hmm. and there really was a white guy involved. So it's not just some bullshit of this white guy being thrown in. Yeah, that's not my problem with it. My problem is that it's Ansel Elgort, um, uh, because uh, there's there's shitty stuff out there about Ansel Elgort guys, uh, and I kind of wish he'd stop getting cast in things. Um, but here we are. Uh, but I really I really want a good good hbo max tokyo police drama doesn't that sound cool doesn't that sound refreshing guys i mean yeah but it's all gort i know but ken watanabe truthfully yeah. once i saw him i wrote this trailer off i was like well i'm not watching this i mean <sighs> i don't really know who ansel Elgort is to be the honest. lead in baby west side Dri- story baby driver the fault in our stars oh okay i really like fault i really like I mean, I like Fault in Our Stars, so I meant to say Baby Driver. I think that's a really good movie. I, mean, I, I really like Baby Driver. That's There are two problematic people in it. I still really like Baby Driver. Yeah. Let me rephrase. I don't know the bad stuff that Ansel Elgort has done. Uh, we we could unpack it, but I don't feel like it. Yeah, let's, um, let's the thing is, like, there's way more good in this than him. Mm-hmm. And that makes me want to watch it, especially because like I, I so I'm so glad that HBO Max is making something like this that's specifically set, you know, 
internationally. This is not like when HBO Max does something that's outside the United States, it's usually fantasy. Sure. Typically, an HBO series that's set outside of the United States is fantasy. So the fact that they are broadening their horizon to an international market and like doing something like this and like, God, there's so much good Tokyo crime drama stories. I just, I really, I really like that that exists. And I just, I wish, I wish he wasn't in it, but I'm so tempted by every other element of it. It's just, it's just so, it's so nice to see a prestige series filmed in Japan like that. It looked good. It looked really good. (laughs) It's true. It did. All right. I'm going to switch the order of these and go to Halo. Oh, boy. Okay, so I told this to Megan, and she 100% agreed with me. Um, Outside of a single line in this trailer, every line sounds like generic, the most cliche trailer bullshit. We made this up for the trailer lines I've ever heard in, like, years. Like a fan trailer. It's all stuff like, how far, what are you willing to sacrifice for this? Everything! Do you know what dreams can come true. Like, it's all that kind of bullshit. The only line that was interesting was the one where the woman said, I am looking for a way to move forward without being so reliant on Dr. Halsey. And I'm like, oh my God, story? And, <laughs> right. then, and then it went back to like cliche metaphor stuff. And I'm like, I'm not saying this show is as, it has the visual quality or is going to be as bad as like, or, or as lacking as a potential like fan-made project. But this trailer certainly was structured like one. I was a little confused and i have been since the first trailer dropped with a lot of people a lot of halo fans a lot of just normal normal people it, casey casuals looking at this trailer and going this looks great this looks great this looks like halo and i'm like eh. you need to control your rage all i have is rage <laughs> it, it's just I love Halo. I'm, and yeah. I'm, and I, 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 love, I love Halo. I've played all the games except for this one. And I read a review. And I don't know necessarily this review is going to be everyone's general consensus. I haven't looked too much into it. But the person was like, it's just game references with very little story. And for those of you who don't, who like the games, I'm sure that's enough. But for me, it's not. And honestly, I'm in that camp. I played all the games. Game references aren't why I go to, go to these things. I go to these things for story. Yeah. So if there's not, if the story isn't there for me, why should I care? And that's I, I, that's the problem I had is that this this felt like it gave me as much information as a teaser trailer, but it's the second and final trailer. You're right because it comes out on Thursday. Right, and I'm like, I still don't know what the story is here. Yeah, I don't actually know what the story of the show is outside of the UNSC is fighting the Covenant and Master Chief is here. Hey, and then there's that lady doing stuff with the Covenant. I guess they'll probably find a Halo. And people don't trust Halsey, which is like, yes, cool, a story nugget. It's not the only story plot point though. So, like, what is the story? There is a, there is a. Apparently, according to again, this is all from the reviews because they uh, like some event showed like three episodes. Um, this is a lone wolf and cub story. Yeah. So there's a girl in this trailer that Master Chief takes on his adventures with. Oh, the Mandalorian yeah and like i just they're the, both of these trailers have left me so cold i'm not interested in the show and as a huge halo fan like this should be where i'm most interested at this point outside of infinity like, uh, i i do want to say i do think that um the first look we get at one of the the covenant leaders i forget their names the prophets oh the prophets that he looked pretty good 
He did, um, he did look pretty good. <laughs> and uh, the shot, the final shot, when Master Chief jumps out and we follow him down and then we come around him. Yeah. That's a good shot. That's a good shot. That made me go, I mean, I want you to be good. <laughs> yeah, and like there's no there's no telling that it won't be. It it could it could be really good, and these are just bad trailers, but like there's nothing in these trailers that got me interested in this outside of those two shots, which look pretty good. It's really there not is, much else. There is one other thing, and it happened to me both times I watched the trailer where I forgot, and then it happened. There's a single second and then it's gone, where you see that Bokeem Woodbine uh is in this show, which I did not know until that split second in this trailer. For those who don't know who I'm talking about, Bokeem Woodbine is uh, the guy who becomes the Shocker in Spider-Man Homecoming. Oh, he's in the first trailer. We see him briefly. I, I didn't remember seeing him in the first trailer. Yeah. Uh, so I did not realize he was in the show. And now he's, I realize he's in the show. And I've been a fan of his ever since his like one of his earliest appearances, which was on Saving Grace. Um, mm-hmm. He's fantastic. And he makes me want to watch the show <laughs> because I like him. But like, damn there's just so little going for this right now ben i want to hear what you have to say about halo uh yeah i definitely agree with you on the movie lines and part of me is actually really glad when i was watching this trailer i was in a fast moving vehicle with my taco bell in my lap because just hearing what i was hearing was just hold like, on honey i just gotta watch the trailer i wasn't driving Oops, I, was, I was the passenger was that a cat <laughs> i forgot there um yeah I'm not gonna lie, just a lot of this stuff is like, oh, okay, standard action trailer stuff. Silk, uh, silver team, follow me, jumps out of the plane. I will say that was a cool shot. I did think the prophet looked really cool, but other than that, I just, I don't, I'm just like, no, I'm, I'm I dead. just, I I'm know, there's, I know there's good story in Halo, and this doesn't look like it's utilizing a third of it. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and and I just don't know what. I don't really get what the story is from these trailers. I haven't gotten like, why should I watch this outside of me visually liking the world of Halo? Why should I be here? Yeah. And like, I do like the visual world of Halo. I still have the new game. I'm not done. I can go play that. That is the visual world of Halo. I can go play it. Yeah. Why would I watch this show? God, it's so frustrating because I've wanted a good Halo live action project. And honestly, it's not that hard. No, it's not. I've I've been dying for something like this. There are twenty good books you could just adapt. Yeah, they're right there. Like I don't understand. Anyway, I'm really Halo, bummed. Halo, it's I am bummed with you. We are mutually bummed. <laughs> Maybe something will happen that will turn this all around, but I'm not holding my breath. I would love if on Thursday I turn that episode on and I'm like, wow, I loved this. I would even be happy if we get like five episodes deep and everyone's like, hold up. The game just changed. It's all, it's all coming together. It's real good now. Yeah. I even like if that happens, but I'm just not convinced that's going to happen at all in this season. Yeah. Uh, I feel like at best we're looking at a Picard situation where you hope that just season two will radically go, hey, what if we just got really good all of a sudden? Then you could be like, whoa, a really good <laughs> season of Halo? You guys have no idea the whiplash I feel at the card right now. <laughs> I mean, we'll get we'll get to it. Um, um, but that's how we feel about Halo right now, and it's yeah. kind of a bummer. That it, it drops on Thursday. We'll see. I very much doubt I'll watch it this week. Being honest, uh, I'll watch Picard first, and maybe I'll hop over if I still have some breakfast left. I'm sure I'll get around to giving Halo a chance, unless I hear just like the absolute like, "Don't do it," and then I'll be like, "All right, I believe you." <laughs> Um. Okay. 
I'm not sure which one to do next. Should we do the Marvel or the DreamWorks? Um, let's do the DreamWorks. Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Uh, I was so pleasantly surprised that the animation of this is different from the animation of previous uh, Puss in Boots and Shrek stuff. Yeah, they decided looks... we're gonna we're gonna keep working in that new style and we're gonna blend some 2D and 3D here and make it look unique. And I was like, well, holy shit, this looks great. Yeah, it looks gorgeous. I love it. I what I watched it earlier this week on my computer, and then before this, I watched it on our on our TV through yeah. YouTube in beautiful full high definition. I'm like, this is incredibly pretty. I love it. Yeah, I'm really stoked. I really like the first. I think I'm the only one here. I think I'm safe to say I'm the only one here who loves the first film. Uh, you can say that, but I've never seen the first Puss in Boots solo film, so I don't have anything else to say about that. Sparks, we've talked about the first film before. I thought you didn't like it that much. Yeah, I did. But you loved it. I I think love is really strong. I really enjoyed it. Look, okay, let's see. It, it, look, look, look. In the Shrek world of films, it's Shrek 2, Shrek, Puss in Boots. Okay. Uh, see, for me, it's Shrek Two: Puss in Boots. Shrek. Uh, I might have to watch it again to know if I would put it there. But look, it's it's good. It's in the upper echelon of my sure. considerations of DreamWorks projects. I enjoy it. I think it has a lot of good things in it. Um, none of the returning characters, so far as we know, no returning characters outside of Puss in Boots. Um, and and Selma Hayek. Her cat. Was she in the first one? Yeah. Okay. What the? You love that movie? <laughs> Hold on, let me double check this because I thought it was a different cat. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm sure you're right. I just—it's been a while. I'm gonna watch it this week. Puss in Boots, 2011. It's been almost ten years. I know it's really surprising that they're coming back to it this long later. Yeah, she's Kitty Softpaws. So oh yeah, look at that. Yeah, she's coming. She is the returning cast member. Good. I'm glad. I liked her. Returning cats member. And that's that's Sparks, everyone. Uh, no, um, good night. You guys have a great good night. Show. I'm gonna play Elden Ring. <laughs> anyway, Ben. So moving on. Yeah, mo- moving on. <laughs> I love it because your woo was cut off. Yeah, <laughs> exactly what I wanted. Just woo. <laughs> All um, right. Uh, yeah, I really, really liked uh, the original. From what I remember, mm-hmm. it's been a while, but I really enjoyed it. I did. Um, and this looks really good. I love the concept. That animation is sending me, honestly. Like, I'm just so happy to see it. Uh, I'm so happy that they didn't feel that this is clearly a direction DreamWorks is wanting to explore between Mm -hmm. this and the bad guys. Um, and the fact that they didn't feel beholden to the previous output to feel like they had to make it look the same. Right, because this is is still in the same world as Shrek. It's just not... Right, it's still in the same world as the original Puss in Boots. More importantly, like it's a, it's a sequel to that film, but they were like, we can make it look different. We don't need to make it look the same. And I'm so glad they did because this looks so good. When he's fighting that giant, that animation of him going up the oh, oh. so Mwah. good, so Mwah. good. Like Megan was looking at, it, she's like, the animation looks gorgeous. Like she's like, I I really want to see that. That looks really good. Yeah, Shout I'm glad that this is the. Uh, what'd you say, Ben? Shadow of the Colossus vibes when he's going up the giant. I, I'm surprised that this is. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm not surprised. I'm happy that this is coming out so that 
this could do better than the bad guys because like the bad guys I've, I've got a passing interest in mostly because of the animation but now i've got this where i'm like oh i'm really interested in this as far as like story wise i love the shrek universe i love puss in boots and now i get this really sweet ass animation yeah um love to have antonio banderas back selma hayek back as their characters uh really just like he is so great as puss in boots that's an iconic mm-hmm. role for him truly he deserved his spinoff film he deserves the sequel uh, the plot seems really cool, very befitting of the world. I'm pretty sure they're breaking canon with Shrek on Goliaths and the Three Bears, but I don't give a shit. Um, oh yeah, uh, I I don't care. Um, tell your story. I'm I'm so excited about it. Um, I love the the montage of the the deaths. Mm-hmm. Watch, watch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> was what was that like four? What was that like four? <laughs> it was eight. Yeah, that's eight puss. Um, I really love Antonio Banderas' Puss in Boots. Obviously, he's he's it because of Zorro, but like he's so good in that role. I loved him ever since Shrek 2. I desperately wish we had gotten the sequel five years ago, but I'm happy we're finally here. Honestly, I'm happy we're getting it now because it looks polished and great. Like, yeah, maybe it's behind its time, but I think that's actually probably to its benefit because I think Puss in Boots was still so too close to the shrek time mm-hmm. and now we need a distance and the fact that it gets to be in this new animation style i think is all the better i think it's honestly worked out for the better yeah the the original team none of the original team is back for this film this is a completely new original creative team that's fine uh, for this film i mean it's like yeah they, they did this recruits new uh new age because this was one of the this sequel was happening before dreamworks was bought by universal and universal scrapped a lot of their sequels such as the crudes in, in this um and they are now getting to those yeah because uh, they have a little bit more freedom to pick their projects right yeah i yeah. just i really i really love it i i love it appearance wise i think it just looks so good yeah i'm very excited uh, yeah it, it's very it feels very rejuvenating and to your point about like yeah he's puss in boots because of zorro i think it feels the most rewarding to watch him keep being puss in boots because we didn't get more of him getting to be zorro yeah and yeah. he should have he should have been zorro for at least one more movie if not five <laughs> I mean, why we shouldn't have waited ten years to get the Legend of Zorro. You should have had five movies after Mask of Zorro. For real. Ugh. Mask of Zorro is so good. Mask That's of so Zorro good. Is so good. All right. Uh Miss Marvel. Really well made trailer. Yeah. yeah. Really, really well made trailer. Um I uh, truly, my only negative is I'm just not crazy about the change in the powers, but we've already been over that in previous episodes. Yeah, there's a there is a a um, unlike another character that her powers are quote unquote similar to. Uh, her powers are specifically created to be a specific way due to her personality, and to get rid of that does feel like you're you're you've gotten rid of some of that personality. Yeah, and I'm in agreement there. I I feel like this was a a misstep i also don't like that her powers aren't just part of her they're things that she puts on she can take them off now yeah yeah mm-hmm. i don't love that either i want her powers to be part of her um, yeah because that was I, also a big part of her i wonder if that's something where eventually one day that will happen but... in the comics or no no, no i mean in the show eventually one day right. she'll sure her powers will be part of her and it, she won't have these anymore how much of this do you think is in response to the Inhumans TV show? Not as much as I think we give a lot of credence to, but definitely a portion. Sure. Cause she's not an inhuman, obviously. 
Right. But she is in the comics. Yeah. Ben, you were going to say something before I said something? No, no, I was going to say that maybe like the more she wears her powers the or the bracelets that give her her powers, the more she absorbs it and she can do it. I don't, I don't know. That's just like one somewhere MacGuffin way so she doesn't have to constantly take these bracelets off. Well, no, it's 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 the idea that like she has the op- she it feels like she has the op- option to be able to remove her powers, which she doesn't have that option in the comics. They okay. are a part of her. They are something. But you know, famously, people talk about it all the time when she comes out of the uh, out of the cocoon, uh, but during her inhuman transformation, she's she looks like Carol Danvers because she has body dysmorphia, and she's like, this is what a superhero is supposed to look like, and then she comes to terms with the fact that no i'm a superhero these are my powers they 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 are quote unquote ugly they're a part of me right and it's such a really important and foundational moment um for that character that it feels like the fact that you didn't necessarily have to do it like we didn't need to see her appear as brie larson when she first has her powers or things like that but the fact that like you know that that space can't even exist in the story is a little unfortunate yeah it it does feel like something about her at her core has been taken away mm-hmm. um that's that's my big thing is that i'm just I, I have a hard time getting over that but i like everything i i like her i like the look of the show i hope that um a lot of the the sketchy yearbooky design stuff is actually in the show and not just for the trailer me too mm-hmm. i hope that's part of how she perceives her her world and that's how we get like her interior narrative of things uh there is there is a yeah, that was my favorite part of the trailer that I'm really hoping isn't just a trailer aesthetic. It is an aesthetic that will be that will carry a bunch of the show. I really like her as as Ms. Marvel. Um, the the trailers cut well. It looks quirky. It looks fun. Um, I'm a little tired of this trope of uh, being bullied because you're into superheroes. You live in a world where superheroes are real, and you're bullying someone for being a fan of the people who saved half of the universe. I hear you. I don't it's know. It's just a little weird. I don't know if it's been explored enough in the MCU for me to be bothered by that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I'm fine with it here. I think also it's more it's more explicitly like I think it's fine because it's not necessarily that you're a fan of the superheroes. It's that you want to be one. It's that mm-hmm. fantasizing that like you could be one. And like people being mean about it because they don't they don't think you're good enough and that kind of thing. And I think that's fine to explore. Yeah, and I guess I, I don't know why it bugs me so much because as you said, the MCU hasn't necessarily done it before. Flash Thompson is a huge Spider Man fan and he's not bullied. Right. Um so like it is maybe it just, maybe it stems from the fact that her bullying in the comics was due to racism. And so like Well, I mean and like I think that's gonna be there too, because we get a hint of it with the Kamala. Uh, like oh, the sure. mispronunciation of her name moment. I think that will be an undercurrent of it. She's, you know, like, I don't think they're shying completely away from that being an aspect of it, especially yeah. with her saying, like, I think those things are going to go hand in hand, especially with her saying, like, brown girls aren't the kind of people who are saving folks in Jersey. Brown girls from Jersey aren't the kind of people who become superheroes. I think, I think that those things are going to go hand in hand, that it's that it's that people don't think that she it's not that she's a fan of superheroes people don't think she can live to emulate to be one because she's sure who she is yeah exactly yeah i get that we'll i'm see. very i'm very optimistic and hopeful for this uh this was also got a release date of june 8th i believe yeah um uh, so i it's... do i do really hope that the show gives us some um 
explanation isn't necessarily the word I mean, uh, but some kind of window into how people know Captain Marvel so well. No, oh, that's a good point. And would be and would be such big fans mm-hmm. um, because we don't have that kind of like representational information. So as long she as would that... have to have been on Earth a number of times in, during the blip for people to know her. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So I'm I'm really hoping that that happens. I was also super shocked by this release date. Uh, right, because it, it coordinates with uh, Obi Wan. Yeah, there's going to be some overlap there. We are going to have some tough weeks here on Fake Nerds Watch. <laughs> we are going to have some tough weeks. <laughs> That's okay. We can do it. It's going to be a that. summer, summer of Disney Plus. Well, uh, uh, one of us, one of us won't have a job. Um, no, I I don't know that that's true. Oh well, I just figured because they'd be out of town. Yeah, but I mean, they're gonna get a job up there. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's gonna suck. Hmm. We'll talk about that off air. That's not necessary for here. There's no more trailers, guys. I'm afraid. Oh, Stop. you liar! You liar! You. That's, that's it. He's just. He's just jealous because he's really excited and we get to enjoy video game adaptations and he can't because Uncharted was bad. <laughs> Are you forgetting about this little dude right here? You forget about him? You're mm-hmm. right. There was a new trailer for Mario. Um, Mario! Uh, Mexico! <laughs> That's a callback. Uh, you're right. Sonic the Hedgehog too. I yeah. am very jealous. I am so jealous that you guys get this because it looks fantastic. God, it looks so I good. Was... It looks so good. I don't give a shit about Sonic. I'm excited. I <laughs> cannot tell you of how weird this timeline is. Because coming from, looking back all the way from the mid-90s, or going from the Dreamcast or even after the Dreamcast, um, with... With all this, the the shit Sonic, the Sonic the Hedgehog franchise has been through in the video game world, and all the the great strides and accolades the Mario games have gotten, we are so excited for a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. But nope, but we were very trepidatious about the Mario one. How weird of a timeline is this? To be fair, one Sonic movie had to come out to prove to us that we could have faith, and then now we're here. Yeah, now, now we're here. And Mag is in the chat. He's saying, "You, you dare Mexico? Uh, it's a." Um, did, did you not know the story about how why you said that? Mag? It doesn't real matter. Yeah, it doesn't Hold matter. On, real, I will do it real quick. Ben thought when he heard Mario say "Let's go," he heard Mexico, and that's that's it. Yeah. Ben misheard, and so he I, thought I, Mario was Mexican. Yeah. Okay. That's all you I, need to say, Ben. Ben, you're good. Sonic, Sonic Two. Ben, yeah, Sonic 2. watching this trailer reminded me. Because I forgot. So Sonic goes and sees the owl statue, and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, there's like a bunch of echidnas that tried to kill Sonic at the beginning of the first movie, and it made no damn sense with anything in correlation to the games. I bet that's gonna come up. Um, there's an Instagram there's like an Instagram commercial where Tails talks about two tribes of warriors that have been at war for years, and I can only assume that one is Knuckles and the other is Sonic. Did they know? Did they do this on purpose? No, what? Well, because Knuckles is an echidna, right? Yes. Did they do that on purpose in oh, the beginning look, like, of this of that first okay. movie? So, like, seeing multiple echidnas in Sonic 
in the Sonic series is not new. So the fact that they were used as like the thing to come after Sonic is not entirely weird or surprising. Um, it's just that there's no baked in history of like animosity there. And the owl thing doesn't exist. So yeah. whatever that is, is being totally manufactured. So I guess mm -hmm. like owls are the natural enemies of echidnas. <laughs> Who knew? Um, and Sonic's been aligned with the owls. So I think this yeah. looks great, guys. Yeah, it looks oh. so good. <laughs> the fact that Robotnik gets Chaos or Master Emerald powers is yeah. nuts. It's like, I don't know what... And we see the big giant egg, uh, Eggman robot that's the final boss of Sonic 2. So many things are pushing the right buttons for me. And it's still funny. Like the, the, I love... Um, the sister Knuckles. who's getting married, and she goes... She's like... You hear the classic Green Hill Zone theme as the ring as the ringtone, but then she goes, "I swear to God, Thomas!" And then Sonic comes out with tails and goes, "Oh my lord, there's two of them." Um, you made that, you made that blacker than her initial reading. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love. But that's fine. Um, I agree. When she did that, I chuckled. I was like, "Damn, Sonic's got me." Oh, um, there's. Uh, I really like Idris Elba as Knuckles. I was so glad we got more Idris Elba in this trailer. I was hoping for a little bit more Idris Elba, and the fact that we got this, and the funny thing is, is that he, I feel like this is exactly what Knuckles would sound like in correlation to the very early games. Like, the first time we see Knuckles in a video game is Sonic the Hedgehog 3. I feel like this is the type of Knuckles we would get in those in those video games, which have no dialogue, no nothing. And it's like, like, the land we Sorry, Ben. What if we lived in the world where they didn't change the design of Sonic? Oh, what would that look like? Do you think they changed the design of all three of them? I truly, honestly believe that movie would have done worse. Yeah, yeah. I, I one thousand percent believe that movie would have done worse, and they probably wouldn't have gotten a sequel. Let's yeah. say hypothetically they did, and we're here now. What would they? Would they have redesigned Knuckles, or would they have just been like, okay, we're just going to redesign Sonic? It's they would have had to. Have they would have had to to be consistent, right? Yeah, they would have had. They probably would have made Knuckles more in line with the um, with the Sonic Boom design, where you actually I'm get to so, see his individual fingers. I'm so glad we live in this reality. <laughs> We'd have a line where James, where, where uh, James Marsters, Marston, Marston, Marston would, would be like. Would be like Sonic. Why do you look so different? <laughs> God, uh, I think they wrote him out of this movie. James Marsden. Yeah, I don't think what? so. I think he's going to be in it surprisingly more than we thought he would be. Yeah, um, yeah uh, him and his uh, his partner. But he's um, not in the adventure this time. I don't think he's in all of the adventure. I do think he's in half. Yeah, he's definitely going to be part because I do remember seeing a very quick snippet of him pulling Sonic out of a, like a before Sonic got crushed. I see the truck driving by really quack, uh, quack. Quick. God, remember, remember when for a moment this was going to be Chris Pratt with Sonic. <laughs> I'm so glad we don't live in that reality either. Oh, we live in the reality where Chris Pratt's the new, we one. live oh, in yeah. the good timeline for Sonic, but what did it yeah. cost us? It yeah. cost us uncharted. I, I will, I will take that. Yeah. Do I, do I have to suffer through 50 more bad video games? <laughs> Here's the thing. Here's the thing. Uncharted is already a pretty good to play movie narrative as a video game. Sonic the Hedgehog needed a good movie. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's very true. that is very true. And also this is really great. 
I love Jim Carrey. I love Jim Carrey being Jim Carrey in this movie. I love everyone in this movie. Um, his um, I cannot pronounce his name. Um, Agent Sloan. I can't. I can't remember the actor's name. I just recently started following him on Twitter. I like when he's like a space porcupine and he and Idris Elba goes, "I am an echidna warrior." It's like, oh hell yeah, you are. This is good shit. Who would have thought that in the later part of Jim Carrey's career, one of his most iconic roles would become? Dr. Ivo Robotnik from <laughs> If you would have looked me dead in the eye five years ago and said, hey, you're not only just going to get a Sonic movie, you're going to get a sequel to said Sonic movie, and it's going to be one of your most hyped movies of 2022, I would have called you a freaking liar. What? When does this come out? April, April, 8th. April 8th. About two and a half weeks, give or take. Oh, damn. I was going to say, we should all get together, we should get high, and we should watch the first film. Shit, man. I mean, we can't. Well, we can't. We can't. No. We won't have. We won't have the time. You're going up to Monterey. I mean, it's true, but Gosh, that's right. What is what are dreams made of? I mean, the right answer is that we just do it right before we go see the second one, and then we get an Uber. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then we get an Uber. <laughs> yeah, to the second one. Right. Of course. <laughs> um. <laughs> I'm I'm just really happy. It looks <laughs> it looks visually so good. It, I'm it, happy. It looks like the games we get a hint of obviously we knew Gun, the Guardian Units of the Nation are in this movie. We get a hint sure. at, we get a hint at um that the the hidden temple with the Master Emerald where Knuckles played that game. stays and guards it in Sonic Adventure one and two. There's just so much stuff here and I'm just so ready for this ride. I am so ready for it. I'm so happy it's here. I'm just happy it looks good, and I'm hyped for it. Yeah, do you I can't think um, I'm hyped for a Sonic the Hedgehog movie? Do you think that um, we're headed in the direction where like things from Sonic's world just start existing in this world? Because that's mm-hmm. what I think. I think I think Angel Island is going to be in this world, not in another ring world. It's going to end probably. up here and stay it, here. It probably will. We might start heading that direction, so that way we can still and. Because I was thinking that maybe Sonic and Tails and Knuckles go back to their world and Robotkin just says, F it, I want to go after because I just hate that hedgehog. But at the I mean, same it was time, always a weird it was always a weird decision to do that ring world thing in, yeah. in the first film to bring him into like the quote unquote real world like Rocky and Bullwinkle. Um, so like to kind of go forward and just ignore that seems like the best move for me. Yeah. I mean, I'll probably live with it. I'll I'll be okay with it. Just if, I just want good Sonic movies, and I might get I'm most likely getting that in April. So yay! Shall I play the music? Yeah, for our topic. Like, why not? Yeah. Full spoilers for our weeks. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. not. You're not wrong. Look, guys, yeah. um, you're just after the news. Thank you so much. Look, if you want to bail, we'll f- we're f- it's fine. But we are going to be talking uh, about our weeks. We're just we're just kind of taking it easy this week. Yeah. Um, we're, you know, we things are a... things are stressful right now, and we just wanted to just kind of uh, hang out. Yeah, one of us had a, had a drink or so, and I'm not going to say who it is, but uh, it's it's Brandon. It's totally Brandon. He's <laughs> who it is? Clink. <laughs> yeah, clink. But also, uh, Mag is talking about um, Raul Julia as Bison. I'm assuming that's M. Bison from the Street Fighter movie. Nice. Uh, okay. Um, so, 
Who wants to go first with their week? Um, I was gonna say, do we want to kind of divvy it up so it's not all just like one person? Yeah, it that sounds us? cool. Um, yeah. Ben, how much do you have this week? I just want to know. Um, I... that's not Elden Ring. Oh shit! Come back to me on that one. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so let's let's get one that I know Brandon and I both did out of the way, and uh, I want to say like we're gonna do spoilers for this one. Um, so. Uh, Brandon and I both finished How I Met Your Father. Yes. I want to talk about the finale of How I Met Your Father, and I yes. want to do it with spoilers. So if you care about How I Met Your Father and you haven't watched it, uh, jump ahead or come back to us later or whatever you got to do, because we're going to talk about the spoilers for the finale of How I Met Your Father. Um, so the last two episodes of How I Met Your Father bring back four cameo characters from How I Met Your Mother, which I did not expect. Three of them are smaller appearing characters, and then one of them is one of the big main cast members. Yes. Uh, wild. Did not think that would happen. Allison Hannigan. No. No. Jason Siegel. No. He's just going to go through them all. I'm, I'll stop. It's Colby Smulders. That was my Robin, literally my she, she appears in the finale along with Carl the bartender, the captain, and both boats. Both boats. Both boats. boats. Both, both, both. <laughs> I hate boats i hate them <laughs> um oh, oh, it was God. it was very impressive to see how they introduced some of these characters how naturally they felt they interweaved into it i think nobody more naturally than carl to be honest but um yeah sure it really it really worked and it really felt like ah, oh, i feel like this is this is the good follow-up of like living in that world without like overdoing it yeah and they waited till the finale to bring it up um i love boats 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 because when so kyle mclaughlin i heard he was coming he was going to be in it um for those of you who don't remember kyle mclaughlin is the captain he's the guy who uh has the happy smile and the kill you eyes yes. um and he and boats 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 are getting a divorce because he cheated on her and he, and she's like i just want one i just want three things captain boats 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 God. And he's like, you can't take my boats. And she's like, she's like, I want your boats. I you because you love your boats. He's like, but you love my boats. I hate boats. It just goes off on it. Very funny. I cackled. Yeah. I I really thoroughly enjoyed it. This is exactly the kind of like good fan service, good follow-up, good world ex uh expansion. Yeah. Um it made sense perfectly for her to meet Robin the way she did, where she did, why thematically she did. Um, yeah, I really, I really appreciated that because in the first episode, it was established that the two male leads of the show are living in Lillian Marshall's apartment, which is above McLaren's. Right. Um, and so to kind of just be like, I needed to know what to do. So I went to the bar downstairs and then, there's Robin like that made sense to me. It made like it made sense that she walked into how I met your mother because that's just where the setting right. would be. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Just really, really happy with the way it all sang together. Um, it, it really the whole season felt like it was finding its groove and really clipped into place uh, in the second half. And now here we are. And I'm like, Ugh. now now the whole thing just feels like more how I met your mother, even though it's not necessarily following the same characters. It does feel like it's in the same world. It does feel like it's in the same tone. Um, very pleased. Yeah, I really like the show. I really like the new characters. I find them very relatable, um, especially the the musician dude. He's so funny. 
Sure. Except, except screw him at the end, man. If that's what we think it is, screw him. Yeah. Yeah. It does look like he's a little hes- hesitant to do it, though. Oh, for sure. So, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I really I really like the cast. I'm really happy for Hilly Duff to get this show. She's very good in it. Um, the Makes where it, where this where the season ends is a very interesting place with a lot of characters split up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I really happy with it. I can't wait for season two. Yeah, I'm so glad we got to gush about it a little because it's it's just it's just really nice. It's really yeah. nice to have. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna look at something on my list and see have has anybody else finish the latest season of rick and morty no no okay so i'm not going to talk in detail about spoilers about the last three episodes of rick and morty but i will tell you holy shit um they reveal a lot about rick's past um and one thing in particular is at first said just like matter of factly and like the the script just keeps moving and both megan and i were like because so I will say the context is that Rick is speaking to a version of himself that l- is the manufactured memory version inside a bird person's brain of Rick. Oh. So because he's trying to save bird person from a coma mm. and inside of bird person, they do a really good job of like the ideas of uh, the people bird person knows are only as uh fully detailed as what bird person ever learned about them and then everything else is filled in by his own like imagination and and suspicions uh yes grayson uh the bird person episode um and so rick has like a different kind of backstory inside bird person's mind because he's created like a more cliche typical Mm -hmm. background history for who rick was as a child but mm-hmm. so this version of Rick knows something about Rick's past because Bird Person knew it that he just says matter of factly to Rick to give him shit, and then they just get into like a discussion, uh, not actually specifically about that topic and just keep moving forward. But they dropped a detail that was massive and then explored later in the finale. And Megan and I were like, "Holy shit, this changes everything about Rick's relationship with his family." Interesting. Um, absolutely insane and i couldn't believe that they just tossed it out in a throwaway line two episodes before the finale and before they really showed it um holy god uh yeah what a what a powerful thing um it really it did uh i brought up earlier that i was a little nervous that like the whole cast was getting too narcissistic for its own good Mm -hmm. i do think we got away from that i think we've moved in a direction there's an important thing where rick is kind of like Rick seems like he actually, and not just for a bit, reassesses his relationship with Morty. Um, and that might actually actually create some real change in him, we'll see, and how he interacts with that family. Um, okay. We'll see how that is going forward. I will say another thing I love about Morty is that Morty gets into situations a lot this season where someone tries to get the upper hand on him, and once he's gotten fed up enough, he just, like, kills people because he's like (laughs) he's like you don't even understand what i've been through like he'll blunder his way through something and so people will think he's weak and he'll be like look you don't even get it like he'll he'll just like 
destroy parts of his body to, to hurt someone else when they've tried to like really screw with him and he's like i don't play games now uh and i really appreciate that that's a part of who morty is is that like morty morty will still like be who morty is but once he's pushed far, far enough Mar morty's like i don't actually care i don't yeah. actually care because of the amount of shit i've been through um and it's really 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 good um, highly recommend watching that season available on Hulu. Uh, I will pass over to one of you. Ben, do you have something? I do have something that's not Elden Ring related, but it is video game related, so we can't escape. I can't escape video games for much. Uh, but the new uh, Mario Kart 8 Deluxe tracks, they dropped this week. They dropped on Friday, and I got, and Faye and I, we played them. And I have to say, they are gorgeous. They nice. are they are absolutely beautiful, but the one um, I recorded an episode of Pause Menu yesterday, and one of the things that we brought up that me and my guest did, um, Super Nintendo's, he was bummed that they changed the cars in Coconut Mall, which is a very iconic track from the Nintendo Wii version of the game. Hmm. And in the Wii version, the cars move back and forth; they go over a boost pad. But if you clip them, then you they, they instantly slow you down, and, and you um, you know someone else can w was passed by you. They changed them in a way that shy guys are driving them now, which that's totally fine. But they're also just stationary, and they're just in like weird corkscrew diagonal ways, kind of like this. Just to like, so you ha there's no really a straight line through. You have to weave in and out. Hmm. So that was the biggest thing they changed in Coconut Mall. The only the minor thing they changed was that the escalators, because um, in the game or the Wii version, I should I should say the escalators they change which one goes up and which one goes down. They just they just swap every lap. Whereas in this one, they swap in certain time intervals. Oh god. Yeah, so you could be going up an escalator, the up escalator, and then it into the and then it changes to the down escalator and you're screwed. God, get the F out of here. Yeah. <laughs> but outside of Coconut Mall, the other tracks, like the Mario Kart Tour tracks, which is Paris to and Tokyo, those are gorgeous tracks and the thing i really like about them is that they kind of they change direction after you do a certain amount of laps a left turn might now turn into a right turn but they do give you arrows in advance to say hey go that way so that way you get to see more of the map or in essence more of the city i.e paris and tokyo and i actually really dig that it kind of keeps you on your toes so you're not just blindly driving the same track it's like oh I'm going through the Arc de Triomphe and now I'm going under the Eiffel Tower. It's like, here I am at Tokyo Tower and now I'm going through this famous district with a, an ancient uh, uh, tower, like an uh, ancient like, looking tower thing. I don't know what it's called. Ben, did you know that the Eiffel Tower is actually a rocket ship that can take you to Tomorrowland? God. Yes, I did. I saw that same documentary. God damn you. <laughs> I really like the movie, guys. I know. Actually, I, I, I remember liking that movie. It's very good. Very underrated. Um, yeah. Is that all? Um, um, besides the um, the Mario Kart tracks, everything's gorgeous. It, they look great on the on the Switch, and it gets me excited. And also, there's also one track I believe, which is the last one of the the last race of the um, the Lucky Bell Cup. That's an all new track. So we are getting all new tracks because when it, this was announced they're saying hey we're doing remixes and we're and we're retooling tracks from the older games but we're also getting brand new ones so that makes me happy come on dude i'm really happy to hear that that's awesome what are you eating 
I can't give you a brownie through it's a the brownie? <laughs> Yes, it's a brownie. I'm, I'm on my way. <laughs> I, uh, I'll be honest with you, Brandon. Those are probably the sacks we're bringing for the Oscars party. Are they the special brownies? No, but they're very good. Are they? Yeah. Good. Um, Ben, I'm really happy to hear that about Mario Kart. Yeah. Um. Okay, I'll go. I watched for the first time 13 Going on 30. Uh, it's a classic rom-com. The prequel to The Adam Project. Yeah, definitely. Um, <laughs> yeah, this is this is um, did you Mark see Ruffalo. Cute, did you see the cute video they released of uh, Jennifer Garner and Mark Ruffalo on set in the same <laughs> And pose? Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. But they were doing the same pose. I was like, that's real sweet, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. so that's where that, that's the movie where that's in. Because I saw yes. the video, I'm like, oh, Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Garner were in a movie 13. beforehand. I didn't know this. 13 going on 30. Yes. Okay then. Uh, and, and, well, the thing that made me laugh about that video is that Ryan Reynolds is in the background and they Photoshop him in the background of thing going on thirty. <laughs> one. Um, I, I had a lot of fun with this one. This was it's a cute little film. They don't make rom coms like this anymore. Um, and I really get why people were why people are crushing on Mark Ruffalo. Like I don't really get it because like I know him post Hulk, but like I'm like oh, I see it. Yeah. Um yeah. Um th- it's definitely in there. I I wanted to watch that again um because of the Adam project. Uh, <laughs> so I suspect I will. I haven't seen it since the year it came out. Yeah. Um yeah. There's an alternate ending and beginning in the uh in the the, the... Oh by the way, Brie Larson's in it. It's really weird. She has a non-speaking <clears throat> a role where she plays one of the like the kids. It's really strange. Yeah. Um she so in so in the movie there's a alternate on the dvd there's an alternate beginning and ending where they had the it's it's just the kids stuff so all the jennifer gardner mark ruffalo stuff that was all filmed prior to the filming the kids stuff and so like the kids stuff it's the younger versions and it's different characters it's different actors uh who play them in the in the in the film and they um and and they have kind of the same story beats but it happens in very different ways um and the ending is god awful thank god they changed the ending so the ending of 13 going on 30 for those of you who don't know is that she is that they that they're kids again and they run up the stairs and then they're married they come out and they've gotten married and they live happily ever after that's the ending of 13 going on 30 in the alternate beginning the 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 birthday party was supposed to have a trampoline and the girl was like i don't want a trampoline because i'm all my cool friends are coming um, and then at the end of the movie, um, uh, she takes the, she takes Mark Ruffalo, the young Mark Ruffalo, and they run up the stairs and they're like, we're going to go on the trampoline. So they play on the trampoline and they, they, they bounce out of, they b- bounce out of frame and then come up as Mark Ruffalo and Jennifer Gardner. Awful. <laughs> so bad. I'm so glad they didn't do that. It's so bad. You guys. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> Um, talking um, about Mark Ruffalo as a heartthrob reminded me that um, when you get to Lock and Key season two, there's an actor who plays a role. Uh, he comes in um, to the season. I wonder if I can get his name real quick. Um, but the moment that Megan and I saw him, we both started describing him as the perfect fusion of Mark Ruffalo and Patrick Dempsey, which <laughs> is just like a real handsome man. Yeah. Um, just so, so handsome. I'm going to see if I can find him you go ahead with your week brandon no i'm done oh you don't have anything else you want to add no i do but i thought you want to go 
I don't know. I I all assume that you have the most of us, so I thought that you might want to like lay some out. Um, I guess I can do another one. Okay, go for it. What, what do you um, do? I'll do uh, I'll do the Sorcerer's Apprentice. Okay, so real quick, the actor's name is Brendan Hines. Um, okay. You've seen him in other things, but I don't think he looks quite as handsome as he looks in Lock and Key. Uh, oh, this guy's been in Hallmark movies. Yeah. Brendan? Cool. Brendan as an E? Yeah, uh, Brendan uh, B-R-E-N-D-A-N. D-A-N. Yeah, Hines. Hines. H-I-N-E? Oh, yeah, yeah. there he is. Act- He's in the... T- oh, baby. He's very handsome. This is a very handsome man. He's very handsome. Um, oh, he was in uh, Lie to Me. Sorry, Ben. Uh, he's in the Middleman too, bit Brandon. What's the Middleman? That's the that was the ABC Family show, Terracotta Roof. Uh, oh, old old as hell. Um, based off a small comic. Oh, he's in uh, Terracotta Chronicles. Sorry, Ben. This has turned into a thirst podcast. <laughs> he's a very handsome man though okay so handsome um, so dreamy good for you guys I watched a movie I haven't seen since theaters so it's almost a decade probably a little bit more than a decade um, The Sorcerer's Apprentice this oh, is yeah. Nicolas Cage, Alfred Molina Jay Bruchel yes. <laughs> that's his name um, Nicolas Cage and Alfred Molina play um a Morlinian and a Morganian um, who are at eternal war because Alfred Molina's character, Horvath, wants to free Morgana Le Fay uh, because he is a Morganian, um, which is an evil an evil uh, magic person, evil sorcerer. And uh, Nicholas Cage plays Balthazar, who is a Merlinian who uh, studied under Merlin um, and is tasked with finding the next Merlinian who is Jay Baruchel. Um i.e. Mickey Mouse. <laughs> it, it is it's I really like it. I I really like okay, I loved it when I first saw it in theaters. I think it is not as good as National Treasure, which is the same director. Um I think that that movie's phenomenal. Um but this is really ballsy, really inventive. Um, there's a lot of uh, imagination that went into this, and it's so rare to see from this kind of property because this is kind of when they were like, you know, they're still kind of doing this, but like, what other things of our catalog can we turn into a movie? And so they chose the Mickey Mouse short. So there is a moment where there's like, we got to do the broom thing, right? Um, and that you know, it's it's it is what it is. It's kind of comes out of nowhere, um, but. The song. This movie is also why I really like the song "Secrets." Um, sure. Yeah. That's. Uh, yeah. I remember yeah. that being very popular. The, the Tesla coils. Uh huh. In yeah. that. Um, but honestly, I I thought it was really it was it's it's pretty good. It's it's really inventive. It's really fun. Um, it it's sold by the actors because like it's this is a this is a silly idea, but it's but Alfred Molina and Nicolas Cage honestly deliver really good performances that really help kind of this silly ass idea work yeah um yeah I, I quite enjoy it i i wish i could say more about it with you but i've never seen it yeah it, it has been a very there. long time since i last saw it i, I must have saw it on stars just in passing really i mean i did sit down and watch it but i wasn't really 
I wasn't engaged with it. I was in my home. It was during the middle of the day, and I was probably looking around and getting distracted by other stuff. Thank like, you. I, I, I don't. I, we don't need. I don't need to know the history of how of when you didn't see a movie. Um, I mean, I did see it. That's the thing because I told you about the apparently the scenes I melded together. Yeah, because you thought the Tesla coils did the Sorcerer's Apprentice song, but it didn't. Um, it does the secrets. Um, oh, what was I going to say? Final thought on that. Hmm. Boy, oh, I had melded my my. It's on Disney Plus. That's it. I was going to say it's on Disney Plus. Thank you, Disney Plus, for putting it on there so I could watch it. Yeah, very cool. Um, yeah, okay. I'll pick it back up. I assume Ben only has Elden Ring left to talk about. Actually, I got one more, one more thing, but I was gonna, I was gonna acknowledge the chat. One more thing. Okay, Before, Ben, acknowledge the chat, and then I'll go on. Yeah. So Mag was saying thirteen going on thirty was all right and fun. Good for you. Uh, he also goes on to say that it might still be on HBO Max. And Grayson, of course, goes fake nerd thirstcast. Baby, it's always a fake nerd thirst cast. No, no, no. I'll do it for Patreon on for one dollar. We'll do a fake nerd thirst cast. Isn't that Are just we... after dark? Every two weeks you'll hear us get together and just talk about how just goddamn horny Ben is for men. Um we'll do it. I'll do I, it. I didn't hear the last part. How I'm horny for what? Men. Men, yeah. Ben. You will only be horny for men. Uh all right. Uh, Megan and I did some things together. One of the things we did is we decided I really felt like watching an old movie that I hadn't seen in a while. And I so I was scrolling around on HBO Max and I'm like, what are some of the old movies they have in the Turner Classic Movies Hub? Because I just want to watch something old and classic. Um, but I wanted to watch something I knew I liked. So I picked, we picked, An American in Paris. Uh, that's a Vincenti Minnelli film uh, with Gene Kelly and uh leslie caron um i really enjoyed that movie guys it's a little hokey um and it has a similar problem that all old uh light-hearted non-drama films from that time have which is that everything is absolutely going to the shits until the very last like two minutes and then it's magically okay um, in the context of this film, for anyone who hasn't seen *An American in Paris*, what happens is that Gene Kelly is uh, falls in love with a woman who he meets in France, and he thinks has no association with anybody in particular. So he's just falling in love with her, but she's actually engaged to one of his friends, and he doesn't know that, and he doesn't learn it until very late in the film. And when he learns it, he decides that he's just going to let her go, uh, uh, much to his painful chagrin. And then. Uh, she leaves to go get married in America with the guy at the very end of the film, and this is where like the most iconic sequence of the film happens, where he has an imagination of living within his own painting of Paris, where he's going through this musical interpretation. Brandon, this is pretty much exactly what La La Land took its finale from. Oh, yeah. Is this sequence of montage of moving through a story of, of love and life and the, the pain, and the but also the wanting that's happened between them um, in a big ballet. And then when he comes out of that, he goes sadly to walk back inside. And then the car pulls up and she comes out and the guy's there and he bids her farewell and she goes up the stairs and then she kisses him and they're happy because this man who desperately, desperately was in love with her and wanted to marry her is like, no, it's fine. Go be with him. <laughs> <laughs> Instantaneously. That's funny. Um, without a word. And like, uh, that's, that's how it, that's how it goes sometimes. Um, American Paris is really, really witty. Gene Kelly um, 
is so exceptionally bisexual most of the time that he appears, but he's very clearly bisexual in this one for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's it's still just a privilege to watch him do his tap dancing. He's incredibly handsome. He's a great singer. Uh, he's bolstered by great supporting actors, um, which are... Uh, we got Oscar Levant as Adam Cook and uh, uh, George uh, Guterri as uh, Henry Barl. Um, both of them really talented singers. They have like one of my favorite duet numbers between men uh, in a old classic musical um, where they both talk about being in love with the same woman, even though they don't know that they're talking about the same woman. Um, very, very good. And uh, he mixes his whistling with Gene Kelly's tap dancing. Lovely. And uh, Adam Hook has his own sequence where he imagines himself as a famous uh, piano player who's playing for a concert, but everyone else who's in the composition and who's in the audience is also him. Um, (laughs) It's a really enjoyable sequence. It's just a lot of fun. 1951 classic film. Highly recommend if you have any interest in it. Really glad that we watched it this week. And uh, I'll talk about one other thing. Uh, Megan and I started playing the Guardians of the Galaxy video game. I'm finally getting to put some time into it. The reason I've been putting it off for so long is because I'd been told that there was a good chance that it's something Megan would actually want to do with me. And because it's the the video games where I can kind of share that video game space with her are kind of few and far between. I wanted to jump at that. So she was like, let's do that today. And so first couple hours into Guardians of the Galaxy, we're both really enjoying it. Um, Really great character development, really good story. Gameplay is okay. Yeah, Um, it's pretty okay. It's a little rough sometimes. Uh, uh, a little clunky. Um, some of it's the shooting and some of it's traversal. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in like the non-action scenes, I'm like, traversal could be handled a little smoother, but uh, it doesn't matter because the, the, the game looks great, especially on the PS5. It looks incredible. Um, and the story and the character stuff, uh, so much good character stuff. It's like uh, so so much fun to play and we're making decisions about how Quill interacts with everyone. It's just it's just a good time. You already know Brandon, but I'm telling the audience and I'm telling Ben, Guardians of the Galaxy, good game. People were yeah. right. Uh, we're happy to be putting some time into it. I'm really glad you are. I can't wait to hear more about you talk about you playing it. As you remember, it was my number three, I think, on my on my top yeah. ten. I'm I'm sure it's gonna take us some time to actually get get through, especially with uh impending life changes coming up, but we're going sure. to do it. Um and then I will share this next topic of conversation with Ben. Ben Let's talk about some Elden Ring, because I definitely played some. Um, Hi, my name is Sparks Witty, and it has been at least mm, about mm, 18 hours since I last touched Elden Ring, and I'm jonesing, but it's okay. Hi, Sparks. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hi, my name is Ben Magnet, and it's also been, um, I want to say a little, maybe a little under 20 hours since I last played Elden Ring, Um, but I did get my roommate to start playing it. So I, um, cause we only have the one PS5 in the house and I offered to him was like, Hey, if you want, you're more than welcome to make a profile on my PS5 and you can start playing Elden Ring if you're interested. And he started playing today. And while I was reading the book club, I was hearing him and my girlfriend downstairs and she was saying, don't fight him, him being the tree sentinel. <laughs> yeah. He fought him. So yeah. Um, yeah. Sparks, why don't you tell me what you did with Elden Ring this week? I did. Uh, I did a lot of like, roundabout minor boss killing mm-hmm. um where i realized oh i'm probably too strong for this person now tree sentinel was one of them went back and killed that dude 
no problem. Was yeah. like, oh, I should have come back here a while ago. My bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I uh, took on the dragon in the swamp. Uh, a couple of others. There was like a shadow, a shadow troll, shadow dungeon troll, something. The, oh, awesome. you mean like the 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 cemetery shade? No, he's like he's down in a catacomb. He's a big troll. He's okay. called like the shadow dungeon troll or something. Okay, uh, I didn't find anyway, that. killed that guy. Uh, killed like three invaders um the the like ones that are actually part of the narrative where you get mm -hmm. like yura to help you and things like that yeah um did a lot of that did a lot of exploration i'm deep deep down in the weeping peninsula as far as exploration uh been bouncing around there for a while oh i'm there um, too yeah no i was i was i was going pretty much as far as i could before i hit like a wall of like probably shouldn't be here and then i'd go somewhere else and i'd hit another wall and i'd be like oh i shouldn't be here either um and I did pretty much as much of that everywhere I could, mm -hmm. and then went, okay, I guess I need to kill Margit now, because <laughs> um, I'm over 20 hours into the game and I'm level 43. So oh yeah, you should. Uh, <laughs> so so I went and uh, threw myself at Margit many times and kept getting like so close to killing him and just couldn't s sink it, and then finally kind of did with the help of Ben and Ryan, um, but technically I died first. So it didn't I, quite work out the right way. So I'm really hoping I didn't screw you over there because I saw you die, and I do know in Bloodborne or, or in Soul in Soulsborne games, if you're playing if you're playing co-op, if you die and the boss dies as well, before you get to a certain screen, you get the rewards. You get all the rewards, meaning the boss is dead, you get the runes or the souls or whatever. In this case, runes says it's Elden Ring, and you get all the good stuff. So I see sparks die and my sword swings and hits margit and margit dies and i'm thinking okay maybe it didn't catch that's fine we'll just go at it again we go back into our respective worlds and i'm trying to listen to what uh sparks and ryan are saying and i hear sparks say no i didn't get my runes and margit's not here i'm like uh-oh yeah so i didn't get the the runes reward for killing margit um which oh, is fine crap. That's, uh, that's he's, a lot of he's gone though, and now I'm going through the castle. Um, I'm fighting birds with with daggers for feet. So, uh, cool. yes. Okay, so uh, Wait, think did about you just? Oh, the birds have daggers for feet. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thought you said I was fighting birds with daggers with feet. No, they their <laughs> their feet just become giant swords, and God. they just <clears throat> slash yeah. you. That yeah. seems less weird. I figured that would. That seems less weird than fighting. Uh, how with far feet. into the castle are you? Do you know? Oh, not even that much. I I Ooh. barely. Well, because we just. This was last night that we finally killed Margie, and I barely mm -hmm. played like thirty more minutes, and then called it. Okay. Cool. I, uh, so, uh, I, I did not. I did not let a certain gentleman follow me. If you get what I mean. Is this a sex thing. No, there's a guy in that castle who, if you talk to him and say the wrong thing, uh, then he'll follow you and steal your runes. Oh, okay. I don't think I fought that guy or talked to that guy. Where was that guy? Uh, so he's <laughs> like the moment you enter Stormvale Castle, like you're looking at the gate and you turn left. Uh-huh. And you talk to him. Yeah, I talked to that NPC. And if you tell him, sure, yes, I agree. I'll take that back breach area. Then the next time you die, he takes a percentage of your runes away. Oh. And and the thing is, you can catch him. 
I learned this from podcasts. Uh, you can catch him in the act, and he'll be like, "Yeah, my bad. I'm sorry. I'll stop stealing your runes." Um, but but oh. yeah, if you say that to him, and then you get you get killed later on in the castle, he'll he'll have been following you, and he'll have taken a percentage of your runes when you come back to collect them. That mother effer. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I re- Ooh, ooh, this makes sense now. It's like, my runes have been going where? I'm pissed now. <laughs> Ben's like, ooh-wee, this is not okay. Ooh, does it does it only happen in Stormvale or ooh? Yeah, it, ooh. Sh- it should only be in Stormvale. Because, okay, so the thing about Stormvale that I was going to talk to you, because first of all, we're playing tonight, and I'm going to help you go through Stormvale. Because there are things not that... Tonight. I'm going to put that out there now. We're probably not playing tonight, but I appreciate the enthusiasm. I mean, I'm going to play tonight, but when we play mm. again, I'm going to help you get through Storm. <laughs> yeah, you're damn right, Grayson. I've been getting scammed. And I only notice it in Stormvale. So now when I go back to Storm, because the thing about Stormvale is that once you beat Godric the Grafted, who's the main boss of Stormvale Castle, you cannot summon more people in to help you. And there's a lot of secret areas in that castle that are extreme, that are pretty hard, especially when I was there and how underleveled I was. And I knew I was not ready for them. I was hoping to, and I was trying to get people into my game to help me. I was going to point them to go with me to take care of um of a not boss, but it's kind of, but it's also kind of a boss to get a golden seed that's hidden below the castle. Hmm. Um, yeah, you can't do that once you once you get Godric. Once you beat Godric, you're you have you can go through storm. You have to go through Stormvale all by yourself now. Sure. So the reason why I'm I was saying that we're playing tonight is so I can open up some secret doors and show you ways like, hey, here's where how to get a bunch of cool treasures, and also let's go take care of that one thing so we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, next time. Next time. Next time, baby. Next time. Baby. Uh, what What about you, Ben? Some Elden Ring stuff for you. Uh, I've also been killing a bunch of um, monsters. Actually, there's a few um, crypt dungeons and the cave mo- bosses that I was surprised that I beat by myself. And I even went to the Castle Morn, which is the most southern tip of the Weeping Peninsula. I actually was able to beat that all by myself. And I didn't have to summon anyone in. I think the only summon I had was my spirit summons and the NPC, which you get in the castle. And this game reminded me, in that boss fight, I don't think I took a single hit, to be perfectly honest. Not to be like, oh, look at me, because I got lucky. I had my wolves that were souped up. I had the guy. I was just like laying waste to this boss, and it went down. And then I was gifted with a sword that reminds you that, remember, the story elements of this game were also were helped by George R.R. R. Martin because you get a sword that looks like it was ripped off the Iron Throne itself. Sure. Because it's a sword with a bunch of other, made of other swords, and it's really cool looking. Yeah, there's a handful of uh, George R.R. R. Martin specific stuff thrown in, specifically yeah. acknowledging Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I got that sword, and there was this one cavern this one dungeon or this one catacomb i found in the weeping peninsula which would it had a boss called the cemetery um the cemetery goat or the cemetery shade i took that thing down in like two hits Mm. it went down hardly without a fight and another fight was the um, the summoner snail which it took me it took me two fights to get that one but i beat it and i'm thinking oh man i might actually be getting good and then Ryan and I, when we started playing a little bit on Saturday, 
we go inside Ray Lucaria, and I got my ass handed to me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that there are times where platforming is a thing in Elden Ring, and I missed the jump. I had over 10,000 runes, oh, which boy. I'm at now, and now's the worst part, because I'm at the part of the game where I need like 14,000 to level up one stat. I lost them all. You just gotta you gotta go through that portal behind the the third church and just go kill those small dudes. They give you a thousand runes each. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Do some yeah. rune farming. But I did find out that I there's also a field with a bunch of giant trolls. You know the giants that we've been fighting. Mm-hmm. I can take a giant down no problem now. Oh yeah. Oh it yeah. Is, but, the fact that I can, because with games like Dark Souls, people, a lot of people might be saying that, oh, but I don't see myself getting better. I don't see myself improving in the game. And my, my, I'm putting all this in my stats, but I go to these enemies and I whack them with my sword and only like a sliver. It's like, you gotta trust the process. Like, watch the patterns. See how, what's the best way to fight this enemy that you're not a big fan of. And next thing you know, oh, damn, they're easy as all hell. Like these yeah. giant metal automatons that rise out of the ground. Like that one time when you, me, and Ryan were playing, we saw them and we just went, nope, and went the other way. Yeah, I've killed both of those guys that are around Limgrid yeah. now. I had to fight them to get to the Divine Tower to activate my Great Rune. This is after you beat Godric. Oh, they're so easy. Yeah, They are so easy. to. You just have to just make sure you don't stand where their foot is, where their foot comes down, and then you're, you're fine. So true. Brandon, is all of this getting you any closer to visiting the lands between? Uh, I'll be honest. If anything, it got me further. Damn it. Bummer. It just seems really hard. It's not hard. It's really not. I don't like hard. I like like Uncharted. Do I seem like a guy who likes hard games? True, true. I mean, I'm, I'm full spoilers. In the next issue of Fusion Magazine, I'm writing a piece about Elden Ring. And one of my points in why this is from software's magnum opus is because, yes, the difficulty is there, but there are ways around it where you can bring your friends in and have fun playing it. And also, the one of the biggest things I've been hearing, the reason why I'm not playing Demon Souls anymore is because in Demon Souls, I keep dying with a tower knife, but I can't go other places to explore and level up. I have to go through the same damn place over and over and over again. Whereas in Elden Ring, like you said, Sparks, I could just bounce out to somewhere else i can go explore this area oh yeah. here's a secret thing yeah important importantly brandon at 43 hours fighting margit is the first time i felt the difficulty of the game pushing on me mm. the first time like uh, up to that point like anytime i'd come across something like kind of hard i was like all right i'll just i'll just go somewhere else and i'd go somewhere else for a while and then i'd come back and like i said i'd come back and i'd kill people like the tree sentinel and be like oh i should have come back way earlier <laughs> you're nothing you're gone <laughs> maybe someday yeah. yeah and also the one thing i do want to praise the game for is that i feel like in all the other Soulsborne games this game makes multiplayer so accessible and so easy to use you don't have to it's not like dark souls 3 where the only reason why I was able to do that is because my brother told me I had to buy a certain item because if I didn't buy that item, I would have never been able to access multiplayer. Whereas in Elden Ring, it gives you the stuff you need and the materials you need to summon people into your game are all over the world and are so easy to find. Yeah. Um, it's it's very much helped by it's like It has the tools to make it a, a simple experience for yourself. Yeah. You can help yourself out a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And I honestly like... If I quit now, 
I'd still have been happy with the time I spent with it because I got to do so many different things already without even like really ticking into the first part of the narrative. Yeah. Um, I mean, we're only, it's, it came out at the end of February. We're like three, four weeks into Elden Ring. And even in like week two, people have been saying that this is like the top contender for game of the year. And I got to say it is. I mean, yes, we're getting Kirby next week. I'm really excited to play that Kirby game. I'm probably going to get Kirby game long before I get Triangle Strategy, because also in Kirby you can play co-op, which is Even fun. I know yeah. that that's a, that's a... Kirby's not beaten Elden Ring at, at Game of the Year. Probably not, but... There's no you, world. But still, you get a really, you're getting an open-world Kirby game, and that's really exciting. But at the same time, Elden Ring has become From Software's highest-selling game in their entire library of titles. Yeah, there's a reason what this game found some secret sauce, and it's like, yo, people like this. Yeah. And I, I don't want to look to for, toward the future because I still have a frack ton of stuff to do in Elden Ring because I don't even have half the map opened up yet. Great, graciously, I do feel Elden Ring is one of those things that's going to change the format of open world games going forward, where we're not going to see as many godforsaken checklists for checklist sake games. Yeah. Um. Anyway. Uh, I think that's enough Elden Ring, unless you have any final notes, Ben. Uh, no, I'm just I'm just looking at the time, thinking, okay, cool. I can probably get a few more hours of Elden Ring before I have to go to bed tonight. <laughs> Brandon, why don't you tell me about another thing from your week? Uh, I'll oh, have yeah. a Dragon Ball Z. Also, Brandon Grayson said Uncharted. Yes. I know. I can read the chat. All right. And I'll say, <laughs> yeah, you better get Elden Ring, dude. I know you have a PS5. We should play together. Yeah. Um, I'll talk about uh, Dragon Ball Z. I watched uh, Return of Cooler and Super Android 13 this week. Nice. Uh, I have I, seen one of those movies. Yeah, I saw Return of Cooler a long time ago. Um, I definitely have not seen Super Android 13 before. And oh. if I had, maybe I saw maybe I saw the Team Four Star episode. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Pulling a me now, aren't you? I've seen the whole show, Ben. Multiple oh, times. He <laughs> ate the whole damn plate, Ben. I ate the whole plate. The whole plate. <laughs> wow, we went from Transformers. I was thinking yeah. about this, about this scene just this week. So it's weird that you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like to read my mind. Anyway, Return to Cool is cool. It's a cool movie. Um, I, I, yeah, I know. It's <laughs> the cooler films are very strangely fit into the canon of Dragon Ball Z. Because it's it's before Trunks shows up, so it can't be after Frieza lands on Earth. Return of Cooler is set uh, during the two weeks uh, waiting for the Cell games because Dende is already Guardian of Earth. Dende is Guardian of Earth. Where the hell is Trunks then? On Earth? Yeah, okay. Sure. Vegeta has a strange Vegeta shows up like halfway, like towards the end of the movie, and he's just like sup. And they're yeah. like, how the hell did you get here? Because he's not in the first movie. Because mm-hmm. um, that's that's the one that's set before Frieza comes before to Earth. Trunks, Before Trunks shows up, yeah. Yeah, and that can't be true because Goku's not on Earth in that time frame. Because he shows up after Frieza. Or it could be set in the three years they're training for the androids. But then why would he? Why would he? Why would Cooler go there and be like, "You killed my, you killed my brother"? Like, wouldn't he know that Frieza was alive? But Frieza's dead again. I guess so. 
Look, these movies don't fit in the continuity of the franchise. It's a little fun to talk about it, but mostly it's just frustrating. Return um, of Cooler fits okay. It's actually kind of surprising that they acknowledge the fact that Dende is Guardian. True. Um, Vegeta was a surprise character because uh, Piccolo kind of has this moment where oh, there's this line that really bugs me in Return of Cooler where it's just like, you've been to New Navic before, haven't you, Dad? Yeah, I have. It's great. There's a lot of forests. And you're like, yeah, bitch. I was just reading Dragon Ball Super. You said I've never been here before. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh. Yeah, Mag. I know that he's in Super Android Thirteen. I watched that movie. <laughs> it is, so it's it's Return of Cooler all the way up to the first Broly. All take place in the two weeks that they're anticipating the Cell Games. Yeah. Sure. You can definitely pretend to say that. Um. That's the only time they can happen. It's true. Um. I. Said. What. I love what Grayson said. Cooler secret Neo Latoya Goku killed his brother. Yeah. And Trunks killed his father. Trunks killed Frieza. He did. And his father. Yeah. Um Yeah, go uh Vegeta's going back to like Vegeta's inclusion in return to Cooler is weird because it's not from this from this jump. Like he's not there from the jump. He shows sure. up at and then when he shows up, it's like, I can't let this guy kill you, Kakarot, because I'm supposed to kill you. And you're like, okay. Um, but he can't turn Super Saiyan yet. Or he can't. No, he can't. He can't. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, he does turn Super Saiyan. Uh, yeah, because they because he tries to he they too much energy. It's a weird movie. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's the one with the star and it encompasses. It's a weird movie. It's kind. Of, I, I like it probably as much as the first one. Um, I think I liked them a lot more when I was a kid, though. Return um, of Cooler has really great instant transmission scenes. Yeah, it does. Oh, uh, Cooler also has a good instant transmission scene because he's just like, this is my move, instant transmission. And Cooler's like, yeah, I know. I love it. He uses it too. Yes. And that's that's what's great is because they're fighting each other with instant transmission and Vegeta's like, what is happening? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's a good good action. Uh, the metal the metal cooler idea is, is, is cool, but I really like his kind of like buff, like wire self. I think that's a cool design. Yes, I do too. Super Android 13, I didn't much like. Oh, bummer. Yeah, I. it's got some good action. And I would even say it's got some really good action. But that's kind of all it has going for it. Um, the It it opens with Jerome. See, the thing about the movies is it also like the, the continuity confusion that Funimation tries to put in because Funimation does change some, not all, but does change some of the dialogue to try and fit it in with the current state of Dragon Ball at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a line where, where like nobody knows that Dr. Jiro is dead um, but they sh- should at that point in the story they should know he's dead right. um, and uh, Android 13 as, a, as an idea eh, he's kind of bland as a villain honestly as like sure, a, I mean I mean that's that's true I like his I like his cronies the other two androids I think 11 and 12 uh 13 and 14. 13 and 14. Or sorry, 14 and 15. Yeah. Uh, right, because 14, 15, and 16, 17, 18. Yeah. 19, 20 was Jero and seeing, Big we're Guy. Seeing 13 through 15, yeah. Yeah. I like those two. I thought those two were cool designs. I do too. Um, I, think, uh, I think I like them a lot. Yeah. And it also has my favorite Piccolo entrance, where Piccolo was apparently hiding under the ice the whole time just to protect Gohan. Yeah. And it's brilliant. Like you do when you're a good dad. Yeah, like you do when you're a good dad. Because there's a bit where, like, like Gohan blasts Android 13 and then Android 13 is like, whatever. He just shoots a blast at, at Gohan. And then a blast shoots up from the ice in front of Gohan to deflect it. 
and Gohan and Krillin's like, what the hell was that? And Gohan's like, it was Piccolo. I know it was. And sure enough, it was Piccolo. He was there. See, see, the more important question you're not asking about the continuity of like when these are supposed to take place because Return of Cooler has Dende as Guardian is that Gohan is supposed to be Super Saiyan in Return of Cooler and Android 13. Yeah, that's true, but he's way too young. Yeah, well, he's Super Saiyan in Broly. Yes. Weird. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, and then there's a there's a really cool like there's a really cool triple Super Saiyan transformation. So two things. So two things I want to say about about Android 13, and then I'm done. There's a really cool Super Saiyan transformation when like Vegeta turns Super Saiyan, then Trunks turns Super Saiyan, then Goku turns Super Saiyan, and like Krillin looks at that and you see the three Super Saiyan powers. And that's really shot. cool. It's a great shot. It's really cool. And then it also has one of my favorite Super Saiyan D transformations, where like Goku talks to Piccolo, and you see like the aura like go up his body, and as it does, his Super Saiyan form dissipates with it. So like you see the hair. Um, change color like cell by cell almost as it's going up his body really cool yeah um i i know you thought of this movie when you said it so you don't like the spirit bomb yes uh, i think the spirit bomb is good in the series i don't like sure. when the spirit bomb is used in movies because it's it's always reduced its impact yeah i think i'll when agree it's used, with that when it's used in the series it's used three times in dragon ball z mm -hmm. it's used when goku gets a very small amount of energy from earth and passes it to krillin to take vegeta down yeah it's not the like giant ball thing that's saved for trying to stop frieza on namek and then boo and mm -hmm. and on boot with boo i like it so much because of the way that they use hercule and vegeta trying to get everybody to help goku get enough energy to stop him sure I, I think, think I'll agree with thematically, that. I think they're thematically like it really works. The idea of like Goku being able to be a conduit for the energy of all these things responding to these these awful forces. But like the movies never use that right. My my issue with it, I think, is stemming from the fact that in most of the movies, he's used it as kind of his final attack. Mm -hmm. And I, I just find it a boring attack. Like I know it's his most powerful move. It's more powerful than the Kamehameha wave, especially at that point. But, like, I just kind of find it dull. Um, but as I tweeted that, he absorbs it to become a more powerful Super Saiyan. I was I was going to say, like, I think Super Android 13 attempts to make it more interesting, but I still think, like, it's still not utilized yeah. well. Uh, I agree with you. I agree that, like, I think, I think the Spirit Bomb can be lame. I think that I like it in the series because it's literally only actually truly defeated a villain one time, and that's Boo. Yeah. Uh, if you're just going by the series, it's only... It, it, it knocked Frieza down a lot, but it didn't defeat him. Yeah. Um, and it didn't defeat Vegeta either. Um, my favorite use of it, though, is the turning of Ultra Instinct and Super. Sure, yes. That's also a very good one. That's, uh, that's 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 what I mean. really good. That's what I mean. Is like in the series, I feel like it's always been utilized well and yeah. sparingly. That's true. I think I think I'm kind of feeling the fatigue from the movies right now. Sure, the movies will pull out a lot of hat tricks from the series that are usually like. The thing is, like Super Android 13 is never you're never convinced that he's as big of a threat that requires the spirit bomb. Yeah, that's true. Not when you compare to like what has needed it and what the lengths they've had to go to to use it in the series. Yeah, yeah, uh, that's all I have to say about that. About the the I'm continuing on to Broly. Woo! 
Woo! Not um, not the great Broly, the the original Broly. The original Broly. The Kakarawa. <laughs> <laughs> the one where his motivation was that he was next to a crying Goku. Yep. Um. Oh, that was so. He's so cool, and his origin is so lame. Yeah. Um. That's so lame. His origin is so lame. <laughs> Um, that's yeah. I can I can pass it off if there's more you want. I say, I say far. How much? How much more do you have? I've got. I can lump two. I can do two. Okay, so you got two more. Yeah. Okay, then I will go ahead and pass it to Ben. Ben, what's your other thing? No, I'm out. Oh, I thought you had one. I thought you thing. had one more. Oh, one no, more. I did. Uh, it, it's not much, but uh, after that Elden Ring conversation, I totally forgot. Uh, I finally went back and bought my comic books this week or hey. today. Have I read any? No. No. Not and even close. Because Elden Ring. Yeah, because Elden Ring. Uh, uh, well, because Elden Ring and now because of my deadlines, which is, it's weird to say that I have deadlines again. It's like having homework back when I was in college and high school, but I feel like the deadlines kind of helped me because they also, it's like, I have to put time, I have to put it into this. And then as I'm working on it, it's like, I want to make it good. I just don't want to make the deadline. I also want to make it a decent thing. Yeah. But besides that, I finally bought my books, and I also told the guy behind the counter, I was like, hey, I got to cut a bunch of my, like, pretty much a lot, bunch of my Marvel books out, because I now have Marvel Unlimited. And we were talking, he's like, yeah, I mean, I have it too, but also I like holding it. I was like, oh, trust me, I like holding them too, but um, money. I like holding Marvel. mine too. Oh, we're talking about books, I'm sorry. Your mother. But yeah. <laughs> I'm still buying, the thing, I'm still buying comic books. That's, I'm still buying comic books. I haven't been reading comic books in a very long time, and that stack next to my bed just keeps getting bigger. But, it, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, did anybody watch Squid Game? No. No. Okay, cool. So I Brian did. Be, I know, and he's not here. I will not be talking any spoilers about Squid Game, but I watched all of Squid Game with Megan this week. Um, we finally got around to it. Guys, do it. Holy shit, do it. They were right. They were right. <laughs> they were right. Um, it's very it's very emotional. It's very compelling. It's very well made. It's really well shot. Um, really great performances. I highly recommend if you're going to going to watch Squid Game or if you're going to rewatch Squid Game if you're a listener who's already done it and you didn't do this originally, I very much recommend watching it in the Korean rather than the dub. Um, I think you get a lot more out of it. Importantly, there are characters that are speaking English and uh, and not speaking Korean. And if you're watching the dub, you're not going to know when that's happening and when Korean characters don't know that they're speaking English, what they're saying because they're speaking English. Um, so uh, I, I think that it's benefited from watching it as it was originally aired. Um, really, really enjoyed it, guys. Uh, it's really good it does have some things where i'm like oh man this just kind of sucks but like it's me having problems with like ways i wanted characters to end up and that's not necessarily meaning that the story isn't like good or told well i think it is um i think they just make choices that like really really just like screw you and i'm like oh man really all right i guess screw me um <laughs> I I, re I thoroughly enjoyed it. So did Megan. Like we were really we were really going through it. And there was one night where she was like, "So you want to just like stay up till six a.m. and finish Squid Game?" And I'm like, "Honey, we can't do that. We both work tomorrow. <laughs> like, there's no way." Um, but it had us. Uh, it's it's very good. 
it's very good. Um, I, I can't say enough good things. Uh, everybody was right. I'm really glad that we finally got around to it. The hype, the hype train did die down, um, but I didn't feel like I got oversold. I felt like I was, I was graciously welcomed with a nice, very, very entertaining property. Um, great characters. Okay. The last thing I'll talk about is Mobile Suit Gundam! Nobody's surprised. I'm still watching Gundam. <laughs> um, I'm not done, but I'm getting really, really close. Really, really close. Um, I'm now at the point, Benjamin, where they are actively pursuing the new type storyline stuff. Mm. Which this show does not properly introduce. No. They just kind of throw it at you. Yep. Um, ben, why don't you talk about new type real quick? So new types are essentially in the show. The new type is the next step in human evolution. And the way that it's supposed to happen is that people who are born and raised in space have this higher level of precognitive abilities. Essentially they kind of, they see it's a better sense of like, think of spider sense in a way where they they see danger happening but they can either dodge it avoid it or um or essentially they dodge it avoid it and essentially it doesn't hurt them at all so new types in the mobile suit gundam universe are people who are, are specifically born in space they grow this ability and they're on both the federation and the zeon side but the zeons know about them first because Shar osnable he's the new type and then of course you get amuro ray and then it's just like, oh my god, next step of human evolution. There's a whole bunch of other shit that happens later on down the line, but that'd be spoilers. And yeah, they just kind of like throw that in you in the middle. It's like, yeah, Amuro might be a new type because the way oh, he no. moves in the Gundam is so strange. Oh no, Ben, not in the middle. Not in the middle. In the last 10 episodes. <laughs> but it's, it's vaguely, very vaguely hinted at that something is happening. With Amuro, that he's getting faster. There is one line where Lieutenant Bright's watching him, and he's like, "Something's up with Amuro. He's getting, he's getting sharper." Uh, like, but the problem is that about thirty episodes in, Amuro gets access to a Xeon unit and analyzes its computer system and incorporates that into his training. So the fact that he's predicting Xeon moves, it's not immediately conveyed that that's because he might have psychic power. <laughs> it's being conveyed that he just analyzed their shit and trained against it. And then in the last 10 episodes, they're like, by the way, did you know that Amuro might be psychic? And I'm like, what? <laughs> this shithole? Like, he's psychic? Um, yes. Uh, the, the way that they come about it, the way that they come about it with Lala is so strange. Oh yeah, because she's um, a new type too. Yes, that's that's where it prominently like goes from like five percent acknowledged to one hundred percent acknowledged is when Lala comes into the show. Mm -hmm. Um, I will say Lala has pretty much put to the forefront something that has been bothering me the whole time, which is that women are not written well on this show, and it's a real big bummer. And it's the seventies, so I can kind of be understanding. And like to the credit of the show for the time that it's in, uh, they're not all garbage all the time, but whenever push comes to shove of like a cathartic moment needing to happen for one of the female characters, it almost always turns into 
a male character saying the thing that they should have already known because they were competent female characters until this scene. And then a male character is like, geez, you stupid lady, here's the answer. And then she's like, oh my God, you're right. And that happens too many times. Um, (laughs) Women are not given the best material in this show. Um, This happens to Mirai. It happens to Sela. It happens to Lala. It happens to Frau Bo. Uh, all of them suffer from it. It's a big bummer. What are you gonna do? Yeah. Um, yeah, I I do wish that was that was done better. And Lala Lala really brings it to the forefront because I'm like, wow, this is like a nothing character who just exists at the whim of Shar, and to she's a plot point more than she's a person. The second she came in, this the second she comes in, I'm like. Who the hell are you supposed to be? And the fact that both Shar and, and Amro have this huge sting for Lala, it's like, oh my god, Amro, you you ho. Hmm. Yeah. Because let's um, see, there's Miss Matilda, there's Fraubo, there's Sela, and now there's look, Lala. Let's, let's be fair, Miss Matilda was just the first time Amro realized he could get a yeah. boner. And then he wow. just had to kind of deal with that. Um, and like, it's it's very clear that that's what's up, is that is like, I don't understand, but I'm thinking about Matilda all the time. That's super weird. Then he meets her fiance, and he's like, "Oh, I'm sorry." God damn it, Amuro! <laughs> it really, really sucks because yeah, you're right. He's not that good of a character, but he is the main character. It's like, damn it, why? So I'm within I'm within six episodes from the end of the series, and Ooh, boy. and I will say that like I desperately, desperately wish that the women never had a moment where they were written that poorly. To again, to be fair, like there are a lot of moments where where they are written well and they're doing things and like like Fraubo is one of the most constant ones who's calling Amuro out on his shit so like it happens it, there is good writing for them but like more often than not it usually when it's a big cathartic turn for them it always seems to be prompted by a male driving that narrative uh, I think the worst offender of this is uh, Lieutenant uh, Slaggart and Mirai He's the one who like comes onto the ship and he's like, I'm the hutshut pilot. Hey, hey, hey. Mm. Uh, and he meets Mirai's sniveling like fiance dude and he like slaps her for not acknowledging his affections when he's offering to sacrifice himself to save the crew. And I'm like, this is just this is just a mess. And then after that, she's like, I think I love him now. Um No bueno. There's so many other good things in the show, and I've talked about them many weeks, but I had to acknowledge that there are some problems still because this is 1977. Um, The other thing uh, I do want to mention is that I'm six episodes from the end of the series, and I don't know why any of the people on White Base care about what they're fighting for. I understand what the problem is between the Federation and the Xeon forces, but I don't know why these characters are invested in it. I just assume at this point that never gets explored. Yeah, not, that's a big bummer. Not really. The whole like it's only what? it's oh, it's realistically only problematic because it's one of its best things, one of its best qualities about the show is also kind of its Achilles heel because one of the best things about the show is that I've seen that on both sides of the war there are really competent, caring, thoughtful people who are just caught in a war that they kind of wish they weren't. And there are also assholes who are taking care- advantage of the war and using it to profit for themselves. And that's happening on both sides. There is no black and white, no good and bad. The problem is that because there is no actual personal investment of what any of these characters believe about the conflict, 
they thus seem like they are living in an, a black and white war, but they're not. The amount of times where Amuro has been, specifically Amuro, has been confronted with realizing that there is another person, a person who he could actually, like, care about on the other end of the things he's fighting, and then he just slaughters millions of Zeon fighters. I'm exaggerating, it's not millions, but, like, he slaughters a whole lot of Zeon fighters who are just like that person without even thinking about it is a little jarring. That, like, I don't understand why Amuro thinks he's doing this. Not great. Not, not, it's kind of a bummer. Yeah, I mean, thankfully in other Gundam, like Mag is in the chat, he mentioned the coordinators in Gundam Seed and Gundam Seed Destiny, at least in at least in that show or that series, the war does start off as like, there's a reason why they're fighting, and then when both sides are shown their true colors, the main character and the ship that we follow, they essentially, they, they start fighting a war on two fronts instead of just one. So, I mean, that's tiny spoilers for Gundam Seed, but you're right. And that's one of the things I love about the ancillary material of Mobile Suit Gundam, especially in Mobile Suit Gundam, the origin, where you see how bad the Federation is. You see why the Zeons or the colonists decide to move and form their own principality, but then that bites them in the ass because of the Zabi family. I am very excited to get to the origin because I think it's going to help with a lot of this, but it that series came out so much later <laughs> than Ooh, this yeah. and this doesn't do it and that's it's just so frustrating to see like thoughtful consideration of both sides in a war and also no justification of why the people we're following are fighting it i mean like it's one of the reasons why Shar's one of my favorite characters i do know why he's fighting he hates the zavi family and I get it. I understand why. I'm deep enough in the show, and I understand what's up. Zeon and the Zavi family are actually two different things, and the Zavi family taking over the Zeon Empire made things worse. Uh, but again, this is kind of a fault of the show. It's hinted that Rumbo Rawl is not crazy about the Zavi family, and that implies that he was more aligned with the Zeon forces before, and now he's just kind of like, well, I'm a good soldier, so I'm here. But it's not deeply explored. You kind of have to read between the lines on that one. Uh, so it's one of those things where I'm like, God, Gundam, Mobile Suit Gundam is just like so close to really fully exploring this stuff. And it's just, I, I'm now so close to the end that I know like it's not going to happen here. I'm sure it happens other places, but it's not going to happen here. And that's a bummer. Um, yeah. Brandon, you'd like this show. It's cool. I'm it's sure. got a lot of great stuff. Uh, maybe maybe the real route you want to go down is, I, I'll find out at some point, is the trilogy. I think what I'm probably going to end up doing from here is I'm going to watch The Origin next uh, when I finish this. Because I want that background, especially on Shar and Sela. Boy, do they really like run the gamut on taking a long time on exploring that shit. Um, <clears throat> uh, but like I, I do want to watch The Origin, and I think after I watch The Origin, then I'll watch the Gundam trilogy that recaps this series and see how, how I feel about that, especially because like the animation's like ticked up and yeah, just just listening to you talking about watching gundam makes me just cannot wait till that merger with country world funimation happens so i can i want to rewatch gundam now it's been so long yeah um it's it's solid it, it does have a lot of really great stuff um most of its problems come from like the time period set in and budget constraints i imagine but like there's there's some story stuff where i'm like man you're just you're you're, you're like right up to the line of being something really incredible and you're just not crossing it um that's it, though. That's all I have to say for my week. Brandon, 
tell me about the other spacefaring adventurers. Oh, I'm not going to do that one yet. God damn it. I'm going to do this one. I'm going to do Radiant Black. I read some comics this week. I uh, am very intimidated to read my comic books. Uh, mostly due to mental health issues. I um, have a mental I have a mental block that gets me just not in the mood to read my comics, but also my stack is huge. Um, but I decided that I was like, you know what? I really like this book. I'm just going to look through my stack, pull out this book, and, and, and read it. I was 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 books behind. I read eight of them. Um, excellent! I love this series. Well, that's great. This is so. This is Radiant Black. Um, I read the first three issues ages ago, and I really liked it. I connected with it immediately. It is um, it's, well, see, it's about a guy who is driving for Uber, but his passion is writing, and he wrote a novel, but it didn't work. But it didn't work out. So he he goes home to live with his parents. In his hometown, and in his hometown, he finds what's called a radiant, which is this black hole that he connects with himself basically because of Power Ranger. Um, it's kind of invincible meets Super Sentai. Um, and so, like, the book explores how there's a larger world of these radiants. There's different colors. We've met radiant pink, red. Well, we met red first, but we met pink and yellow. And then there's robots and bad guys in the space war. Um, uh, the character work is really great. This is some of the best writing I've read from Kyle Higgins. Um, the he, there's clearly so much passion that he's putting into this. Um, this idea that like these are millennial kids, essentially. Well, not kids because millennials not a kid anymore. But these are like millennials dealing with with the world and they're becoming superheroes. And it's and so at that point, I kind of find it very relatable. But the art is gorgeous um the way they the, there's one issue there's one issue that's all black light it's it's beautiful guys it's just so it's it's beautiful um i wish i could pull it out but it would take too long to just be like look at the art man um but i really like it i really love all the characters i love it so much that i'm reading the spinoff rogue sun not really a spinoff it's kind of set in the same world rogue sun's great i interviewed the, the writer um i picked up radiant red which is a mini series that's about the other radiant each radiant have different powers too so like what radiant pink can teleport with portals radiant red can absorb matter and change and make a part of her armor um so far i think radiant black is just throwing beams at people and we don't know what radiant yellow can do um and um there's a new book inferno girl red that's coming out i think towards the end of the year but they all collect kind of converge in this book called supermassive which i haven't read yet i'm about an issue away from it that's kind of the big crossover to be like this is the massive verse this is the world that we this is the world that these heroes all exist in and um yeah i really like it guys i'm so glad i'm reading it i'm just like so jazzed i i, I almost finished it i almost caught up because i just couldn't put it down and it's after having this mental block for so many months it's just so nice to pick up a book that I couldn't put down. Very happy for you, man. That's, That's awesome. good. Um, now we'll talk about the other spacefaring thing I, I did. Um, I watched Star Trek Discovery, Star Trek Picard, and Star Trek for The Voyage Home. It's related to Picard, so I want to watch it again. Um, it was really funny. That's a great movie. I heard it's one of the best Star Trek movies, one of my favorites. Um, William Shatner is fantastic. You know what, was fantastic. Yeah, it's the one with the whales. 
uh, interestingly, um, so the one with our hometown. Yeah, I have lived in two places that have been filmed that have used Star Trek films uh, that have been used in Star Trek films. The San Francisco Cetacean Institute in uh, Star Trek for the Voyage Home is the Monterey Bay Aquarium, which was like ten minutes from where Sparks and I grew up. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's a good movie. But I watched Star Trek Picard. Guys, Picard is to use Sparks vernacular. Picard is sending me. <laughs> It's very good, and I hate that because, like, God, it's such whiplash that I'm just like, I feel like I'm a drugged. Like, I legitimately feel like I'm drugged watching yeah. Picard. I'm Picard season one was awful. It felt like they were making it up as they went along, and it just didn't work for me. And then I'm, I'm watching the season. I'm like, oh, this is really working for me. Are they? Am I on something? Are they like mesmerizing? Are they like hypnotizing me to be like, we made a good show. Remember, think about this. We made a good show. Like, but it's, it's staggeringly better than the first season in just every way. And I made the claim on the Fakeners Watch episode of episode three, that if it continues to be this good, to continues on this trajectory, it's like, fuck guys, next week it could fall off a cliff. You don't know. Um, It could be my favorite. Star, current Star Trek show. And just, there's a great joke that I think you guys are going to get. That, so they're in Los Angeles 2024 now. And um, there's so many Star Trek references. The the, the production designer for, for Star Trek Picard watched our episode of Fakeners Watch and said he liked it. Ugh. That was so cool. <laughs> um, the, Star Trek, the production designer for Star Trek Picard season two, wonderful man. He is, he is, making the production design just so like if I can tell that these people care about Star Trek and the world and building this world. So like it makes, it helps me care more, but there's a bit where like they're standing up on this giant building and on this big building in Los Angeles and it's seven of nine and Raffi and they're looking out up up, up upon LA and they look over in the Valley and it's on fire. (laughs) The Canyon is on fire. (laughs) And I I laughed because of course it's on fire. It's always freaking on fire mm-hmm. and i told cookie about that as a joke and cookie was like i don't get it and i was like right because it's a freaking regional thing you're only gonna find that funny <laughs> if you live in the valley right um this freaking burbank's on fire right now guys um there there's it's like the the la la land bit so in la la land the opening song is another day of sun and they're talking about how hot it is how bright it is all the time how sunny it is and then big title cards winter Mm-hmm. The th- my theater raucous laughter found that hilarious we watched it in LA very funny we were all laughing it's a funny joke go to Monterey to watch the same movie whole bit winter not a peep because mm-hmm. it's a regional joke right um, yeah really like Star Trek Picard this episode I, I bring it up specifically not to gush about it, but I'm bringing it specifically because the director of this episode is Lorraine McFly from Back to the Future. Oh. Um, which was really cool because this was the episode that they go back in time. Mm. So they were they were marketing that like, hey guys, we did a time travel episode with someone who knows a thing or two about time travel. Mm. Um, Enter Christopher Lloyd and he's like, hi, I'm here. <laughs> I directed this episode. There's some excellent stuff with the Borg Queen where where she like where, where she and uh, Allison Pill have a great scene where she ends up with like you've impressed me and you're like oh shit he shouldn't have done that. Um, uh, the back in t- the 
the back in time method they use the the looping around the slingshot around the sun to open a time warp to go back in time i realize why that's my favorite version of time travel in star trek is because it's so active most time travel methods in star trek really passive like you you know you fly through a wormhole you open up a chronoton whatever the blah or whatever you have a you have a transporter that can whatever you know there's a big there's a there's a a guardian of forever who was just like here go through me so like it's all passive right but star trek but but the slingshot around the sun is so active like the like the person on the ship is is like the ship's like moving and it's dangerous because like you could fall into the sun you could die um it's there's a there's a level of like adventure to it that i just think isn't a part of other time travel methods and just other sci-fi but like definitely in star trek that it's just it makes it such an exciting such an exciting version i'm sorry i really like this show no it's okay. good you don't need to be sorry for liking it and then there's discovery uh-huh. They look they delivered a fine finale. Uh they definitely shouldn't have dragged it out for four for four episodes longer than it should be. There's some interesting my least favorite character shows up. I was so upset. There's this bit where so that so my least favorite character is Tilly. For anybody who's watching the show, she's the redhead. Um she left the show. She left the, the ship. Not necessarily the show, but she left the ship a couple episodes ago and I have not missed her. I hate her. Um and she shows up at the end, the last episode. There's this really cool shot. The episode opens with the starbase, the, the this big starbase that Admiral Vance, Odin Fair, Admiral, Admiral Vance, uh, or Admiral Snack. Um, he they're flying in this in the starbase through warp, and it's really cool. It's a really cool image. And then they fl- then they pass and then they pass moon the moon and like you see all the cities on the moon and the and the shuttles and they, they pass the moon and the cameras flying over and, and then like then they get get to Earth to help the evacuation because Earth's about to be destroyed. That's a cool scene. But then Tilly shows up and I'm like, oh no. And then they look like they're about to kill Dadmiral Vance. And I'm like, Don't kill the Dadmiral. <laughs> Don't you dare kill the Dadmiral. Um the the ending of it the ending of this of the episode is all about like talking talking your feelings and blah 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 it was just kind of whatever and i'm really bummed about that and uh, i don't know stay tuned for my fake nerds watch i guess mm. really selling it yeah right it's, like it's just that audience to come check it out <laughs> watch my picard ones they're a lot more fun um <laughs> it's just such a bummer that it does look it doesn't go out like a wet blanket. It doesn't go out with a, with a snuff. It's just, there's just so many things where it's just, it is it, honestly just weighed down by the fact that it took too long to get here. Sure. We shouldn't have been, we should have been here episodes ago. It should have been a shorter season. Um, Tignataro is wasted. And she's the bet. One of the best parts of that show. Um, Stacey Abrams, for those of you who don't know, um, she's running for, for Georgia governor, I believe. Um, she is the president of the United Earth, who is not part of the Federation in the 32nd century. Uh, she shows up in one of the, one of Star Trek's famous political cameos. Um, yes, Stacey Abrams is running for governor. She is a huge Star Trek fan, so that was cool that she got to be a part of that and kind of the metatextualness of it being uh, that she's the pr- the president of the United Earth. 
Um, and when she shows up, she's like, we want to join the Federation because you saved our lives and we want to be back with the Federation. We want to be home with the Federation because Earth was a founding member of the Federation. And it is no longer that in the 32nd century. Um, so a lot of this season in the background, I guess, was like putting the Federation back together again because of Vulcan and Earth and Talar and Andoria, things like that. And that's fine. It's... The- I don't know. It, it's. I wish it was better. I wish they pulled it off better. I wish it was shorter, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, Discovery always has some dialogue issues anyway, so you kind of come to expect that. But let me tell you, the quality difference between watching like on the same day, Star Trek Picard and the Star Trek Discovery, was crazy. Yeah, I had to force myself to watch Discovery first. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I have much else I want to say about that. I'm sorry that it kind of goes out weekly uh, for you guys. Who are Mike? Always Mike was never. Mike was never on board. He hates the show. Well, you know, there you go. Um, Michael Michael hates a lot of things that we don't. Yeah. Um, Um, Yeah. I think the Stacey Abrams thing is cool. former house of representatives in georgia she was uh championing our our votes to give us democratic power uh she was she got a lot of credit for being like the champion of, of being on the ground getting the work done um we 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 like her here yeah, uh her, her I, dialogue exchange is <clears throat> not that bad i i like that people get real upset that she appears in a star trek show like that's never like stunt casting has never happened in star trek before and that star trek has never been political in any way before who cares Jeff Bezos was in the show was in discovery last season Jesus Christ yeah okay um I'm sure I'm sure there was more I wanted to say about discovery well you got you got a whole show for it yeah I do whenever that happens most of mostly we just can't figure out when to schedule it sure that's all well I'm glad that something in Star Trek seems to be going right you guys you guys, I really hope Picard continues to be good because, like, man, I'm all in. No, me too, because it was bumming me out just as an outside observer that, like, Patrick Stewart was coming back as Picard and, like, everybody was like, wow, was this a mistake? Yeah. And now I'm like, wow. it was. Is this incredible? Um, Honestly, I, I chalk it up to the pandemic. I think this is, like, this was incredible that the pandemic was able to give the show the time it needed to refine these scripts, <laughs> refine the story, and hopefully, God, hopefully, it continues to be this good. Because, man, I'm I'm all in. That's awesome. All right. Book club. That is it. So let's go on to our book club. There, you friend. tried to time that with the did you okay you don't know this because you can't see the screens below us but he oh, I can. no i know you can but oh, i'm talking to sparks audience. i'm talking to sparks in the audience but you can't see the screens below us um so he so as soon as the thing goes he goes <gasps> because he had this big yawn and I he did. tried to time it to end as soon as the music ended <laughs> i tried it i did not fa- i did not make it i failed anyway sparks it, it's your turn take it away Hey, we're talking about Bitch Planet Volume 1. This is written by Kelly Sue DeConnick and uh, art by Valentine Delandro. 
Um, I thought this was really enjoyable, um, very refreshing and different. This is all about a, a society where um, problematic, as they would deem it, women are sent away to uh, a correctional facility, which is essentially a prison planet um, and uh, uh, aptly called by most people Bitch Planet. Um, and it was enjoyable and infuriating. <laughs> I'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Even as a man, I don't want to live on that world. That world sucks. And it's so upsetting, especially um, the first issue has this whole story where you think like it's this guy and he's trying to do the right thing and save his wife from being wrongfully sent to the planet. And it turns out oh. that he's actually talking about the woman he had an affair with that ended up getting the wife sent to the planet because he just doesn't want to deal with her anymore. He wants to marry his new younger lady and oh he does he did marry her prior to that yeah yeah that's what i mean and so like he that's why the bureaucratic bullshit happens and so he's getting back together with her and so the male society is like ah apologies we'll never let anything like this happen again how dare anything ever interfere with your male destiny of power you giant penis individual (laughs) and then and then has her his wife killed on bitch planet um man so upsetting it is it is upsetting and it's really great that there's a comic out there that could be like look how upsetting this is and it's like yeah you're right yeah this was this was basically if all the bad men won yeah right this is the world where just like the fathers like this this whole thing where like there's one person who's there who is basically i know she's got other other things but she's basically only there because she's obese mm-hmm. because they say it's like um willful inde- indecency i think is her charge well, no they're they're le- they're listing a bunch of uh, charges like assault and a bunch of other bs but the last one is wanton obesity my wanton God. obesity Which, and, and that's the one that like that's what the one that disgusts them the most yes like why would you want to look like this you why don't you want to look pretty like other like uh, like the normal women and the that's, fact that um that's like, one of my favorite issues is her story. Yeah. yeah. One of the things you because the story is as the story progresses or as the book progresses, like from issue one, you don't get an exposition dump. You get an exposition dump in a way of you think one thing's gonna happen, you see Marion up in the, the holding cells essentially, and then when it's revealed that it's the younger girl and it's like you hear all this stuff. It's like, oh, this is okay. So this is how it goes down. And even issue two explain more of the world gets explained little by little as the volume goes on. Like when you meet one of the head fathers and how he talks to his underling in a not formal saying goes, "Call me by my title, or I'll have you cited for disrespect." I'm like, because Ooh. Mr. Brandon is a small dicked individual. Oh uh, yeah, look at that. I didn't appreciate that. No. Uh. Well, I don't like. I don't like. I don't like it when my name is used in anything. Yeah, I, I, actually, I, when they're assholes, I get it. My name sucks, but do we have to keep doing this? I don't think it sucks. I yeah. think it sucks. I think what people are. My doing dick is huge. I threw okay. something. You didn't. You didn't see. You can't see that, but I threw something. Okay. <laughs> I was going to. I was going to say the way people are using your name, especially in today's society, and especially. Oh, don't don't no mm. no. Okay, but 
Uh, in regards to the book, yeah, this is very uncomfortable, and this is definitely one of those books I would highly petition that be put in college classes right the F now. It's like, hey, you're, you're uncomfortable with this, right? Good. That's the point. Do better. Yeah. I don't know if I go quite – quite. It, it definitely should be in conversation. Um, I think what's – one of my favorite things about it is uh, – I don't know how much you guys engage with this material at the end, but um, at the end of each issue is a, a little – writing thing from Kelly Sudeconic, but then after that is a essay from a feminist um, and it's different feminists and it's different perspectives and different stories. And they're, they're not really connected to the comics. They're just kind of widening your scope of like, these are the real stories that are happening in this world and how people feel about it that are inspiring this kind of fiction to get you to recognize like, this is, this is like patriarchy uncontested taken to its ultimate end is bitch planet. Yeah. Um, and I think it's really powerful. I think there's a particularly an excellent piece. I believe it's the essay after issue three that's talking about how race factors into misogyny um, specifically, and like where where like the double um, this is the uh, intersection um, of uh, race racism and misogyny that creates like kind of a double whammy for black women and others. Uh, who are non-white. Um, <laughs> such upsetting subject matter. But uh, I'm really glad that like the, these kinds of uh, pieces are attached to it. I think they're really they're really cool. I think it's really nice to have something that's more than just like, here's the comic. It's also like, here's all this. And uh, the the end of the fifth issue, Kelly Sudeconic, uh said that, you know what, we're expanding the essay section of each issue. Um, so you're going to get a few less pages of the comic to get more of the essays because uh, that's what readers were saying they wanted. It's unfortunate to know that the series didn't get to its ultimate conclusion. Um, Kelly Sudeconic is pretty upfront that uh, the Ideal Dream was a 30-issue series uh, early on in her writing about uh, what she wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, that did not happen. This has 10 issues and then a five-issue anthology series to, to kind of button the whole thing but that's it um from 2014 to 2017 and it it was hard for them to get the issues out there were a lot of struggles with figuring things out one of the things in particular is they talk about one of the issues that um they took a long time redoing it over and over again because they were trying to do the uh lesbian sex scene in the shower um without Mm -hmm. it feeling like a male gaze was on them and they were like that it was actually really hard to achieve um and it's done mostly through paneling choices, which I think is really good. Um, this was in general something that uh, DeConnick and Delandra were both um, striving for, was it being able to show naked women without it feeling like it had the male gaze attached to it, um, feeling like it was it, it, still an expression of empowering them rather than um, the typical thing that naked women are shown in media for. Which I think, like, uh, really admirable, and I think they really went for it in a strong way. A lot of great moments with a lot of great characters. Um, I really love, uh, it's one of my favorite, like, sections of an issue is the paneling on the uh, the treadmill sequence. You've got the two of them talking yeah. about, like, yeah, you should do it, you should put the team together. Uh, we haven't really described it for those who haven't read it, but, like, the whole, the whole thing is, like, they're on this prison planet, and they come to this uh, girl, Cam, and they tell her to put together a team for, like, this ultimate sport thing that can earn them their, their victory. For those who are familiar, this is essentially, like, the longest yard. Uh, but for these ladies in prison being able to get a chance uh, to cut down their sentence and get off this bullshit um, yeah. as quickly as possible. And uh, 
of course the system is rigged against them and they're trying to play every angle to put that against them and that comes to a really bad head at the end of issue five um but i really love that treadmill sequence you got them talking about it but in the background you got penny rolling off and then just taking card after card out <laughs> in the background while they're talking about it and then she rolls back and then you get the other person you hadn't seen the whole time was on the treadmill and she's also there and she's like hanging out she's like yeah you should definitely do it and she's like what are you talking about and she's like well i designed that ship and she's like what <laughs> um just really excellent use of and it she's uh, the she's the girl who dies at the end of the so yes. yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, she is. Uh, you find is... out she's the daughter of. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, the the man who wants to go visit her. Uh, yeah, it's all it's all very. There's a lot of really sad stuff here. Um, it's it's all just it's very upsetting. It's very triggering of uh, this level of. It's basically if you are a female in this universe and you're not on board with completely kowtowing to what men desire, that the whole like uh, news bit in the media where they're talking about, haven't you always, are you all waiting for your parasitic worm to clean up your diet for you? Here it is. Like it's the ladies like with the four smiles talking about it. Um, There's uh, when she, when that girl dies, there's a bit where it's like, oh no, it looks like she's lost her footing. But you see what's happening is the guard is like dragging her down by the head. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's oh Yeah. Um so it's this it's this really unfair bullshit. Um you get kind of like another reason I thought of Longest Yard is you get kind of that like wanting revenge on the guard's distraction bit, which is one of the reasons she dies is because Penny's distracted by like wanting to kick the shit out of a guard. Mm-hmm. Um uh it's it, so they have to come together as a team and like really think like a team and they're not doing it yet. Um I think it's a really interesting world. I don't know that, like, in these five issues, I feel like I've gotten the full taste of what I want out of it. It's a bummer to know that there's really only five to ten more, depending on how you look at that anthology series, of me being able to get more out of it. But I I, I wish it had gotten to really flourish. Um, I think, unfortunately, like, a lot of people were put off just by its presentation, maybe even by its title. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know what it really was uh when i was first hearing about it and i did hear about it and i'm like okay i don't know what exactly this is for and and like had i known i would have jumped on it a lot sooner uh because i really really appreciate it i think there's some really great ideas for representing feminism and wanting to take absolute the full extent oh oh kelly pseudoconic talks about it like the really powerful when this comic was coming out like there'd be pictures in the back of all the people who were getting the nc tattoos which stands for oh, non- yeah. non-compliant and how much of a it this reminded me of like a much better like real life uh thing of of what moxie that netflix film i talked about a while ago was uh where it's like trying to really rally for like the, the female cause this felt like this was really doing something um where it was making people feel like you know nc non-compliant isn't necessarily like an endorsement of the book entirely but more a representation of i don't need to bend to the the rules of what's expected um there's a really particularly great piece in here that's talking about like waking up every day and having to think about should I eat this? Why do should I look like this? How much makeup should I be wearing when I leave? And just all these things that like I can't wrap my head around how that kind of like ingrained societal pressure for me to think that way about myself. And like I really think they that there's a good voice both from Deconic and like the people that she chooses to associate with the essay pieces to this work of conveying 
that pressure of society and how much like this again being an extreme end of that just like pushing down on them and really trying to break them and really trying to bend them completely to the male gaze will um just awful all the men in this are terrible <laughs> there's not a single good one they're all awful you know one of the one of the guard the women one of the guards is a woman mm-hmm. terrible too yeah. yeah yeah that's the thing it's like uh uh, another point that um, was brought up in one of the pieces is like, you know, uh, even when all of this evidence is laid out in front of them, there's always at least one one person who's denying that it's like that, that they're that they're oppressed. Mm-hmm. There's always one woman who's denying they're oppressed and whether it's because they're wanting to defend the ideal of like who their mom was to them, that it's not a bad thing to be a stay at home mom and take care of kids or things like that, or that they just don't see themselves as weak and therefore they they attach being oppressed to weakness and they can't see themselves that way. And so they resist against acknowledging what society has done. Um, and again, like I think bitch planet becomes a very visceral in the only way that only the way that comics can really do like a literature piece trying to really blow up and and uh um exacerbate those ideas so that you can really see like oh this is how bad this is uh Mm -hmm. at its core like this is the same kind of problem um really really just I like I like so much of the intent behind it. I, I wish that there was more in these first five issues. I feel like I could latch onto and really uh, feel like it got to the heart of it. But I feel like it was just getting its legs under it. So it's hard to say. But uh, I, I still just really appreciate all the the care and thought that went into it. Yeah, I don't think I have anything to add after that. That was very wonderfully said. I sure as hell don't. <laughs> uh, if you have any interest, it's a good it's a good. Uh, international women's history month read um go check out bitch planet uh it's a shame that that series didn't find the legs that i wish it had and certainly that that the team wishes it had yeah well well ben mm-hmm. it's your book club next week do you know what it is not at the moment hmm hmm hmm, hmm. Yeah. we should what? skip them I think we should skip them. What do you think? What do you think, Sparks? Uh, no, I think it's fine. I'm sure he's going to come back with like the Knuckles Echidna comic book or something. No, I could. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to do that. All right. So next week, hopefully Ryan will be on. Uh, we'll probably do that episode on Saturday. Just so you guys know, the Oscars are on Sunday, and I'm I'm hosting a soiree. That uh, some some people are coming to. Soiree um, always makes me want to have like the swirling wine glass in my hand. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, that word has been ruined for me by a certain someone, which I will tell you about off air. I. Uh, yeah. Hopefully that goes well. I'm a little nervous about it. I shouldn't say that on air. I'm high. Um, but we'll probably be talking about the movie Everything Everywhere All at Once. Hope so. Hope so. Um, if it gets, especially if it gets a wide release, we'll definitely be talking about it. Um, I'm really excited. Uh, why don't you, why don't you, good night, Mag. Good night, Mag. Good night, Mag. Good night, sir. Um, always a pleasure having you on there. Um, I wish. Uh, okay. Conversation season two is on its way. Stay tuned for more information on that. Um, guys, 
like this video and subscribe to this channel. You can get some cool stuff. Like all the things I talked about up top, the Fickner's watches, the basement arcades. I should probably do this in order. Check out all the other shows on this channel, such as Fickner's watch. We're currently. Oh, sorry. I forgot that I took a picture of one of my favorite jokes in all of bitch planet. And I really do want to get it out there. I'm sure it was one of your favorites too. Um, there's the whole, it's in that scene we were talking about where she's being analyzed for her obesity. And you've got all the many fathers like judging her and saying things. And you get the one guy who says, we're basically able to take readings of various electrical impulses in your body. And through a complicated series of Al Griffin's algorithms, Frank, <laughs> yeah that was pretty good that, that was that was really good just the one guy like algorithms right <laughs> just moseys on through doesn't acknowledge that he's screwed up at all right them algorithms god um, damn it great joke you can check out um fickner's watch which is going to be ending star trek discovery season four and uh star trek picard season two will continue on and then we'll do star trek strange new worlds when that shows up we're probably We've talked about it. we're probably doing Moon Knight as a weekly. We're not 100% sure on that yet, um, so stay tuned. Mm -hmm. um, check out Basement Arcade. Basement Arcade is currently going through Mortal Kombat X, sometimes. Whenever Sparks feels like bequeathing an episode to us. Not about when I feel like it. It's when I have the time to really do it. No, Sparks is more mysterious if we say it like that, because that there way is. people don't know that our lives suck. <laughs> it's no mystery. It is just reality. <laughs> um, based on okay, pause menu had a new episode up this week. Ben, if you have yep. anything else you wanted to add about that, uh, no, but I will say that we're gonna take a few weeks off. Um, I am recording more base arcades as we speak. Like I said, I recorded one yesterday, but we're gonna take a little time off until we start putting them back up. But once they do start coming back up, you will of course know about it. Cool. Hey, there's an award show coming up this weekend. The uh, conversation Fictor podcast and basement arcade pause menu are submitted for nominations for us. We'll see if we get some nominations this week. I, I've been checking my emails. Hopefully it's like, Hey, did the, I the nomination, the nomination announcements are tomorrow. Oh, so maybe okay. Look, probably not. Like, what are we? We're, 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 we're us. Like, come on. But like, it'd be kind of cool. It would be cool. <laughs> we're your bad boys of the fake Nick culture. <laughs> we're, <club. laughs> we're the, we're the bad boys of podcasting. We're Watch. so bad, nobody watches us. Watch, we get nominated for like almost every single category. <laughs> ben, don't do that. You do that. You do that. You do that. You put that out in the world. You don't do that. You do this all the time. Don't do that. Don't put that out there. Don't put that curse on me, Ricky Bobby. Excuse don't you. That. I want to win an award, okay? Shit. Don't put that evil on me. You, you're more likely to get something if you say, I'm probably not getting anything, rather than being like, wouldn't it be great if I got everything? Stay humble, Ben Magnet. That's going to be a shirt. Stay humble, Ben Magnet. Uh, here we go again. I'll call up my shirt people. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, Victor Book Club and Animation Station are also shows that we do, and hopefully we'll come back soon. Crafted by Z has some masks. I guess there's a new variant coming for COVID. <laughs> so, oh, the shit again. Get ready for COVID Part 4. There always is. Um, you can check that one out. You can check out those masks. We uh, we sell a Fickner podcast exclusive mask. Check out our, our Patreon. Um, subscribe to our Patreon if you want. Maybe we'll do Fickners After Dark if anyone does that one dollar tier. Who knows? Um, T Public. Uh, you can support us on T Public. We have tons of shirts, tons of cool shirts. Um, 
uh, stay humble, big magnet. Um, basement arcade. <laughs> um, there's uh, my my. I think my favorite right now is um, the. Um, I'd rather be a, a fake nerd than a true fan. Kind of, you know, that's kind of what we always talk about. How this idea, like the, these, like true fans, are kind of like these these angry. They label themselves like, oh, we're 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 true fans of this thing, and that's why we care about this thing the most, and like that's why they, we're angry about it. Like they have ownership of it. Like they have ownership of it. Um, and then obviously the fake nerd bit is that you know we're not fake nerds. It's just it's just our bit. Except I've been faking this whole time. Um, check out our fake nerd podcast website, fakenerdpodcast.com. All these are links below. Yeah, you can check those out. I don't want to go. I'm enjoying my time with you guys. <laughs> having, a, having a David Tennant 10th Doctor moment there. I don't yeah. want to go. I don't want to go. I'm enjoying this night. This is fun. I'm glad we got to hang out, guys. Yeah. Not yeah. too structured. Just kind of kind of nice. Thank you to everyone who listens. Thank you to everyone who watches the, the live show. Thank you to everyone who watches the Rewind. I really appreciate all of this. Um, all of your support. Even if you're not supporting us financially through the links in our description, uh, you're supporting us through that. And it's great. And we love you guys. Um, thank you to Jeremy Bellucci. He, he does all the music you've heard tonight and all the music for all of our shows. You can find him at Jeremy Bellucci Keyboards or his podcast, Suburban Proctologist, on iTunes, Facebook.com slash Suburban Proctologist Official or Instagram at Subproc Podcast. And of course, Mike Batola, um, who, God, I hope we get on soon. Really want him on. You'll find him on TikTok and Instagram. He did three of our logos and has done some collaborations with us. Uh, we love him. You can find him at Mike Matola. TikTok and Instagram. I don't know if I said that. But whatever. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. All at Fickner Podcast. FickNerGuys at gmail.com. What was that? Did I like to get in touch with us personally? I'm at BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. Right? Did I say Gmail? Did I do the Gmail? FickNerGuys at gmail.com. Yeah. I'm a BT McClure on Instagram and Twitter. I also edit for kaijuramenmedia.com. Just put up a piece today about the new MonsterVerse. There was a new MonsterVerse movie announced. Not really announced. That's why we didn't need to talk about it. Um, I put that up there. I, I do the things, guys. You want to talk about kaiju? You want you want to, you want to submit some kaiju stuff? There's a cat ooh, on Sparks' ooh, screen. Um, <laughs> um I edit that. I edit that. Side. I also write for Screen Rant. I write tons of articles for Screen Rant. You can find those links below. And I write for Atomic Geekdom, where I do a series called Revisiting the Infinity Saga. They also publish some miscellaneous stuff that I write for them. Uh, the Infinity Saga piece is is this revisiting series where I'm going through 50 moments of the Infinity Saga that I think are defining. Yeah, Ben. You can find me shilling for Fusion Game Magazine because that's coming out, and I have a link on my uh, Twitter to. Um, to subscribe at benmaca 27 on both Instagram and Twitter and Fusion Gaming Magazine, right for them. Go Nintendo.com, right for them. OldSchoolGamerMagazine.com, still right for them. And that's about it. I forgot. I haven't. I, I, it doesn't matter. Sparks? Uh, you can find me feeding into the Gundam YouTube Al Griffins at Sparks Witty on Instagram, Twitter, <laughs> S P A R K Z Witty. And I'll leave you with this Amaro, don't look back. The glowing star at the end of the universe is the birthplace you abandoned, Amaro. All right, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music and Podcasts, and Pandora. 
rate and review wherever you get us. We greatly appreciate it. Like this video, subscribe to this channel, and until next time you see us, stay fake nerds.